from a summer place, from a summer place, the theme, from a summer place, it's the theme. Next! Coming soon, this summer, at theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 80 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back to August 21st, 1987, and the release of that summer's sleeper hit, Dirty Dancing, starring Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze, and featuring one of the most popular soundtracks of all time. In fact, the Dirty Dancing album is eclipsed on the sales charts by only four other soundtracks, The Bodyguard, Saturday Night Fever, Purple Rain and Forest Gum. In honor of this achievement, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of the music when I think of Forest Gum, but yeah, I had a lot of It's a great songs. soundtrack. I great guess music. it is. I guess it is. We'll see what it's on. Might be your my list. number one. It oh. might. No. Uh, but in, in honor of this achievement, we're each going to be listing, as Fred said, our top five favorite film soundtracks. Now, scaling things down to five favorites may sound arbitrary, and in fact, it is, as I'm sure Fred and I will have a fair number of ties and honorable mentions. In fact, I know he and I could easily have compiled a top 10 or maybe even a top 20 list for this episode. But when Dan told us that he could only think of two soundtracks that he enjoys... And that one of them is John Williams' score for Star Wars, we decided that five might be a more manageable number, even if it means there's a little cheating here and there. Uh, now, and this this will come up as we discuss criteria later on, I guess. But for those of you who might be thinking, well, what's wrong with picking Star Wars as a soundtrack album? We're just choosing to delineate between orchestral film scores like. John Williams, James Horner, Danny Elfman, etc., etc., and movie soundtracks, which tend to feature songs, both original and repurposed. And I'm sure we'll do a favorite orchestral score episode one of these days, but today ain't it. Um, but before we dive into Dirty Dancing and the world of movie music, Fred and Dan, where were you boys in August of 1987? I was, I just turned 15. I had just turned 15 and I was about to go into my sophomore year of high school. I think around this time, I may have been in Florida because I know mm. that I was going back and forth about whether or not I saw Dirty Dancing in the movie theater. And I still, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll fully remember by the time we get to the movie, but I, I'm almost 100% sure that we were in Florida visiting my grandparents and my sister and my parents saw it opening weekend or when it first came out. Uh, and then I, I, I can't remember if I saw that, but so I, I, that being said, I think that I was in Florida or just about to go to Florida. My parent, my parents bought a place for my grandparents, uh, at, at this place called Century Village, mm. uh, which was, now, I always confuse this. It was it was either advertised by Red Buttons or Red Skelton. Probably both. I swear to God, you said both names, and I pictured the same person. I don't know. I think they are the same person. I don't know the difference between either of them. They both played Red Skull, that I know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Every time you open up your mouth, you give away your ignorance. They advertised it, and I just remembered there were like cardboard cutouts of him everywhere, all over the property. Fantastic. And <laughs> it was sort of, I just remember going and thinking it was such a cool place. I mean, it was basically for, you know, senior citizens to live in Florida, but... You know, there's a clubhouse and there are pools everywhere. And it was, was it in like Miami? Was it in like South Florida? No, it oh. wasn't in Miami. It was, I believe it was Hollywood, Florida. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, because Red Buttons and or Red Skeleton would not have it in any other place. <laughs> well, they needed to be the someplace of near Hollywood. As he, as he ate his corn mush, he was like, as long as I'm in Hollywood, Hollywood is where it's at. <laughs> but you're on the wrong coast, sir. It doesn't matter. Which red am I? <laughs> my buttons or Skeletor? It's Skeleton. It doesn't matter. Skeletor. Every time you open up your mouth, you give away your ignorance. If I wasn't in Florida at this point, I was about to go, and I was probably finishing up my first summer as a counselor at the Horizons program of the New York Institute of Technology, which I've spoken about. And I think I gave the, uh, the, the, the background for how I got the job there because the previous year, I was a bit of a troublemaker because I wore, mm-hmm. I, we talked about this yeah. on a previous episode, uh, I'd, I'd worn a uh, Van Halen kicks ass T-shirt, oh, and right. the the uh, the head of the I, I want to say his name was Chuck, and he looked he was very Grizzly Adams. Yeah, you He was a big big burly guy, and he would not sanction my buffoonery. He wanted me to take the <laughs> shirt off. I would not. I was a bit of a wise ass, and I remember I, I staged. Um, I was really into the the Rocky Hour Picture Show at the time, and I got all my other friends into it, mm, and. Boy. Uh, very, very similar to the end of the movie of Dirty Dancing, you know, where Patrick Swayze like walks up and he's like, you know, I always end this season off. There was like a big oh, end boy. of camp thing going on in the gym and me and my friend sabotaged it and my sister was a part of it. And and we had a boom box and we put in the, the tape cassette of Rocky Horror Picture Show and play Time Warp. And we did in the middle of the gym, we did an impromptu flash sync and. Right? Like, it was a flash mob. Yeah. It was a flash mob before flash mobs of the time warp. He was not happy with that. He, I remember he pulled me off. He pulled me off the, the gym floor uh, until it. So I finally, I in the middle of the time warp, can you believe it? And no. I took off the shirt and I turned it inside out because I had to finish the number. Anyway, when oh. I did apply for a job, <laughs> he was basically like, no, you were an asshole last year, oh. but I'll bring you on. But my parents appealed to him and... So this was my first summer going as sort of a, a CIT, as it were. And it went swimmingly. I was a, I was a changed man. I was a changed man. Yeah. yeah. And I really rose I thought to you were the occasion. Say he was like, I like your moxie. I like your moxie, <laughs> kid. You got, Fine. Fine. You got no. the job. You're in. No. No, he was like, why, why do I want to deal with this? Like, why, would I, Instead, why am I going to give life, you money your, to be an asshole? Your parents <laughs> spun some web of lies the, the way your whole family always did. They were like, we're going yeah. to Africa. But you I was know, just going to say, we but, just got, listen, we just got back from Africa. But Freddie is the crown prince of uh, something. Every time you open up your mouth, you give away your ignorance. And what kind of activities did you do with the, uh, with the, ca- with the campers? Well, I worked in the film and TV department. Mm, and so, yeah, so I was helping out I was helping out there and helping the kids like learn how to use the editing machines and come up with their ideas for projects you know what to film and why are we making movies then if you know so much because I don't I didn't know anything I faked it I kidding. faked the entire thing you didn't show yeah. the kids the man who got pissed off when he got pissed on you didn't show you didn't have a screening every time you open up your mouth you give away your ignorance 
So if you were getting ready to be a sophomore, I was getting ready to be a freshman. So what I was doing was sweating, pissing, <laughs> pissing myself, oh, no. uh, nervously contemplating, <laughs> getting pissed on by myself, uh, shaking, trembling. I was doing a lot of trembling and I was doing a lot of cowering. I didn't want to go to high school. Who wants to go? Who wants to do that? Nobody. I didn't I want to, you know, people to throw corn down my hoo-hoo. I didn't want anything <laughs> like that anymore. That already, I already went through that in middle school. Oh. Why would I want more of it from more strangers? More strangers. I didn't want more strangers in my life. You know, I just wanted the regular people. I wanted the people I already knew from when I was six. I didn't oh. need this. I didn't when need this. Six. I said, this I don't need. But so what I, did you do to co- to combat that in in August? Like you you had a it was God. time was ticking. I don't know. We would go to the we I make fun of you for the VBC all the time. For, I mean we we poke we have good fun, but we actually were part of a country club as well because my sister and I were on the swim team for a summer what? Uh, country club. Yeah, yeah. Called well. You we, were on the swim team? I thought yeah. you didn't go in the water. Listen, or just the ocean. I'm very athletic, as you can tell. Look at me. Look at my body, viewers. Oh, wait, we don't have and He's showing everybody his body. No, he's Make not. Of this. Don't but be just distracted. the lower half. Don't be distracted. <laughs> just the lower half. Just the good half. The No, we were on the swim team. No, this was in a, a, a you, it wasn't in like a lake with fish. Forget it. Although that would have made me swim faster. <laughs> I, no, this was, at a, this was in a pool, in a, you know, a regular olympic you know pool or whatever it was like a regular mm-hmm. pool but we were, were always swimmers my sister and i she was very good and she was on the diving team too for for a time i was terrible they called me mr putt putt i couldn't do anything the breaststroke i was very good at <laughs> i was very good i was very good at that the other ones because i have frog let my legs kick out like frogs to the sides so it was perfect so this might have been I don't know if we were still going or if we were still on the team at this time, but that was, that was most of most summers were like, it was summer swim team time. And then I, we didn't, usually, I never knew this about you. I, I never knew that you were team, right? It's mm-hmm. crazy. And they had, you know, volleyball and tethered ball and arts and crafts and all kinds of those things in the summer. Just and probably you. exactly, you know, kind of thing that you would, that you would uh, experience at the V at the, uh, we at didn't the play VBC. tetherball at the VBC. We didn't you do didn't? that. We were too highfalutin for tetherball. Oh, for mm-hmm. fuck's sake. <laughs> well, we did. And that was when I, that's fought. a poor man's sport. <laughs> yeah. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> ball on a string. Yeah. You don't need much for that. Oh, um, God. But, we, but I, I do remember that was my first uh, experience. I don't know if it was this year, but definitely at, at one of the, at the club was the first time, you know, seeing other uh, other na- people, other naked men in the locker room. That was like the first time seeing that. And it's, it's you know, you, again, you guys gave me horrifying. so much shit about the VBC and yeah. sitting and, you know, hanging out with all the mm-hmm. the swarthy men. I, oh, I so never talked about hanging out with naked men at, at the VBC. It wasn't hanging out. You just walk in there to take a piss and you go, what the hell is happening? This bit? Yeah, that's a hairy old man. And that what is that? What's that right there? <laughs> it's like opening up. Where did I come from? Everybody's hairy. <laughs> Everyone's hairy. There's a lot of drooping and shrinkage and yes you know. yes and you go well i don't understand i don't understand i don't understand i don't look anything like that is that what i'm gonna look like turns out yes <laughs> you, 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 how does that thin thin layer of skin keeping those things up off the ground i have to say though to this day i mean before even like you know before the pandemic before gyms were closed and i was you know going to the gym a lot even as a, an adult man who's now probably closer to, uh, to oh, the age right. of those men that you saw, yeah. it's still shocking to me to walk into a gym and just see like 
older men, older hairy wrinkled men just walking around naked. There's no modesty. Where, where's the modesty, people? They, but they, there should be. Like life. we're all. They've lived a life. They're like, they what the fuck? Yeah. They've earned it. They've it's earned good. It. It's not. It's that's healthy to say like, oh, there's an age at which you stop being self-conscious about your body. I haven't not hit at that age. <laughs> No, oh, not yet. Either. You will. You're, you're there. Okay. There was a dude, I would walk into the gym, and I swear to God, he'd walk out of the shower. I was probably like in his late, eh, maybe late 60s, early 70s. It's hard to tell with, you know, when you're naked. Mm. But he, he, would, uh, he would walk out of the shower, and we were just always on the same schedule. And I swear to God, he would just plop it, put a towel down on a bench. And this is every single day that I would go and just sit there completely naked and just scroll on his phone. And for like a good 30 to 40 minutes, just sitting there, butt naked, hanging out, just scrolling, you know, just, not moving for anyone, and that just man doing grew his up thing. to be Red Skelton. <laughs> Red Skelton. Which brings us to our first film. No. Um, was he just, just sort of just drying off? Or was he just like, yeah, did you think it was a nudist colony? What did he think was happening there? Put something on yourself. They don't they care. They don't care. Whatever. We all belong to the club. Every, you know, it's our, it's our gym. I mean, I might get it. It's like, look, we're paying good money to go to these gyms. I want to fucking walk around naked and let my balls flap and scroll oh, on my please. phone. What if a child walks in there? What if a child, what if a young Dan Matisse walks in there and is horrified? <laughs> it's on you. <laughs> That's on you, kid. Hey, kid, go. You Literally, sh- it's on you. <laughs> <laughs> the way some of those balls hang, they just, you know, to the floor. <laughs> Sorry, kid, I didn't know you were under the bench. <laughs> There's a mouse on my foot. Oh, no. <laughs> People are always asking me, what's so special about Century Village? The $10 million clubhouse, where something's always happening. No, 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 no. I was psyched for my junior year. I was about to go into my junior year of high school, and I was very excited. I loved high school so goddamn much. I, it was crazy. I loved it. I was in love with it. I, you I, were the I, star I, of it. But I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. Yes, at you this, were. No, I just liked it. I just enjoyed it. I, I was having a good time. I was still at this point. So it's summertime. I was still working at the library, the Comac public library, um, you know, uh, mixing it up with the, the Dewey decimal system. Um, <laughs> Dewey decimal, Dewey I, I not decimal. Much, right? Right? <laughs> Dewey or not Dewey. Um, and I was getting, I was getting ready to, I knew that, uh, we weren't going to have a school play that fall. They weren't, um, the, I think I've talked about this before. The, uh, the teacher, the English teacher who usually directed the school play, there was a play in the fall and a musical in the spring. And uh, it was like uh, his wife, her work schedule changed. So he couldn't be there after oh, school yeah. to like, yeah, he talked about so there this. just was no, there wasn't going to be a play. I mean, our, our school wasn't like super high on the arts. And I had basically volunteered like, well, we have to have a show. So I was like, I'm going to write a sketch show, you know, so I, I did that, that kind of Saturday night live-ish thing. And it was, and it was kind of a variety show because I had like other, like some students like sang and a band performed and had some dancers come in and do stuff. And then, you know, um, and then it was like a lot of sketches, but so I was, I think I was already in the process of writing that, getting ready for that. Um, but mostly I was just you know, obsessed with girls and movies. And, uh, that was, that was it. And I saw, you know, I was at the movie, I don't know how many times a week that summer I saw everything. Um, 
And this movie was the only movie that I saw because specifically because of a girl, like I would not have ever gone to see dirty dancing. Uh, right. it, it just seemed like, boof, why, why? Um, right. yeah. but the, the kick line captain, this was, I was not dating her, but this was this girl, Laura Daruga. I talked about her very recently. She was mm-hmm. one year older than me. Um, in the spring of 87, she had agreed miraculously to go to my junior prom with me in the spring of 88. She like made this date with me a year in advance. And then, and then she started dating a guy in my class, but because she had told me she would go to the junior prom with me, she was like, I can't go with you to her boyfriend. Fantastic. And I took her. Wow. I told you this story. It's just, but it's still like. I love this story so much because what it means is she liked you, you dummy. She liked me as a person. I did not look like, I looked like I was, you know, flapping around the VBC. I didn't look like. (laughs) No, she liked you. Every time you open up your mouth, you give away your ignorance. Like every woman you know, young woman would seem to be into this movie, but she was, she's a, was a dancer. She was a great dancer. She was again, like she was the head, the captain of the the kick line, which is kind of like, it's not a cheerleader. It's kind of like the the Rockettes of of the school. And she was like in dance magazines and she went to, she's now a nurse, but she did go to, I think she went to, uh, BU for dance. Um, she went to Boston after graduation, but she was just, you know, she was really wonderful and a, a great, great dancer. She, in fact, in that show that I, the sketch show, she did it. She danced in the show. She performed to Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb, and it was really fucking. Whoa. It was, Whoa. It was really Trippy. good. It was really, Is really good. Is there anybody out there? She was so good, and I was so in love with her. Anyway, um, so uh, what happened in the movie? Yeah, yeah, the, no, no, did you get a little young Sherlock Holmes action? No, no, this is how lame it is. I didn't go see it with her. I went to see it because of her, like because oh. she loved it. I was oh, like, Jason. oh, I should see it so I can connect with her uh, on that level and uh, bond wow. with her about it. So and I did you? Did you talk to her about? Oh it? yeah, we talked a lot about it because I did. Because like, I actually, so I liked let's it a lot. Talk I had no about idea. Jerry Orbach. What did you think of him? <laughs> and you like, just went on and on about Jerry <laughs> Orbach, and she was like, "Who? I don't even it, know." Who was that it is. Jack Weston's magnetism? Was it his? Uh, <laughs> What, it was it that he clearly has sleep apnea? He's got like, I mean, it was like every time, every time he breathed, he was like, it was like, yeah, Jesus Christ. I was like, did that do it for you? He definitely dances at the end. He shakes a tail feather. He sure does. Um, anyway, so, uh, so yeah, so I remember this movie. I remember vividly and fondly because I associate it with, with her and, and wanting to uh, connect with her. Does it still? Hold up. Only time, time will tell. Well, before we do that, guys, get a little uh, closer. D- d- both of you get a little closer to the mic because it no. sounds like you're speaking from the corner and nobody puts Stan and Jason in the oh, corner. Jesus oh, my God. Oh, my. That was good, Fred. Segway King. Even when there's no need for a segue, even when the no, story, no, no. the story I'm telling leads directly, directly. Into, but he's like, I'm too proud of this. I'm too. I've proud got a job. Of this. I've got a job he's to do here. Job. So, yeah, that's all I do. I offer. I really, I literally offer nothing else to this podcast. Absolutely. I've been saying it for two I years. I offer tales of deceit. 
and guilt, and that's it. And then like some stuttery reviews. I, I sort of liked it. It was it was okay. I don't know what you think. I, I, and that's it. I, I segues. That's what I do. That's all. That's what I do. Segways. It's what I do. Century <laughs> You, you've thrust us headfirst into, I don't know why, headfirst into, see, that's why you're the Segway King. What, what is it? What am I, performing uh, a gynecological exam? <laughs> headfirst into dirty dancing. you got to stop it now. I know what I'm doing, Penny. I'm scared of everything. Most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. What they learn from each other feels too good to be wrong. People are always asking me, what's so special about Century Village? The $10 million clubhouse, where something's always happening. Dirty Dancing, starring Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey, and Cynthia Rhodes. Get ready for the time of your life. Frances Baby Houseman, played by the winning Jennifer Grey, is one listless summer away from joining the Peace Corps in 1963. While visiting Kellerman's Resort in the Catskills with her parents and sister, Baby yearns for excitement and romance. When the resort's dance instructor Johnny Castle, played by the equally winning Patrick Swayze, enlists Baby to perform with him when his longtime dance partner Penny finds herself in need of an abortion, the unlikely pair fall madly in love. Jennifer Grey's strong performance sees Baby mature and deepen over the course of her romance with the unexpectedly sweet and vulnerable Johnny. Also starring Jerry Orbach, Jack, Jerry Orbach, Orbach. What do we think? Let's go with Orbach. Jerry Orbach. No, Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach. 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 Jerry Redenbacher. <laughs> Jerry Button Skelton. Also starring Jerry Orbach, Jack Weston, Kelly Bishop, and Cynthia Rhodes, Dirty Dancing vastly overperformed at the box office. Shocking studio executives who, mere weeks before the film's release, advised the producers to burn the negative and collect the insurance money, going wow. so far as to bury the film in late August with a plan to release it on movie screens for just one week before sending it straight to home video. Audiences had other ideas, though, and Dirty Dancing recouped two-thirds of its $6 million budget in its first weekend of release, going on to take in $64.6 million domestically and $214.6 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Dirty Dancing? Why did they think it was not going to be? Is there any, what was uh, the? I don't know. They just thought it, it, it you know, I, I don't know. He wasn't a star yet. Jennifer Gray. Oh, really? No, he no, wasn't. No, neither of them were stars. Yes. Oh, and the other thing I, I read is that they, their chemistry, their chemistry was amazing in the movie, but yes. initially- Initially, at the and the auditions like told the tale. They were like they're incredible together, but they didn't like each other. They had worked on Red Dawn together and did not get along two years oh before. Oh my god! Wow, isn't that funny? Yeah, but I mean, so it's not like you'd say like, oh, their history would make the executives nervous. I mean, they had the chemistry. They did the movie. I don't know why. Mm. I I don't know why it didn't seem like a hit, except that maybe it just didn't have. Stars and it's set mostly in the Catskills no in the sixties. Yeah, it was set or, in the Catskills. It was set in the sixties. This was I was reading somewhere. Yeah. This this movie, speaking of soundtracks and everything, sort of brought the resurgence back, a big resurgence in music of that era. Yep. 
Yeah, it was like, I, I right. guess like in the 80s, it was like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. You know, let's, uh, there, was a, there was a different aesthetic or feel to movie making or what, you know, was going to be, you know, shown in movies. And this was a little outside of that box. So I guess that's why. And yeah, neither of them were stars. No. And, it's very know. quaint and simple. So maybe they thought it was too quaint and simple. You know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know why they would have thought. Because it you know, was. You movies though. like The Lost Boys that opened. Yeah. I, I feel like the week before um, this or, right fair, you know, it was yeah. like a different, yeah. there's a different thing going on. Yeah. Hmm. The, the, um, had the outsiders come out yet already? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah that was like 83. Yeah. So people knew of Swayze a little bit. Yeah. He'd done the outsiders, red Dawn. There yeah. was a grand view USA, yeah, which wasn't that. like a big thing. Um, but this was his first was, big thing. And then roadhouse yeah. and ghost, you know, and then he was like, of course, cemented and over the and course of like three years. And she had done Ferris Bueller already by this time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cause she was dating Matthew Broderick when, when they filmed this, who um, apparently has a cameo in the movie, the but I can't seem to find him. Oh, I can't find him. Maybe he's in a dance yeah. scene and you can't, or That's at the what party I'm or thinking, something. Yeah. 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 Um, oh my God. He plays the mom. He was the mom. I knew I recognized her. <laughs> She's the, from Gilmore uh, Girls, which is very yeah. funny. I, oh, I, yeah? I mentioned it. Yeah. She was a last minute replacement. Somebody else they cast got sick and she was supposed to play another smaller part. I think she was probably supposed to be the the kind of cougar, the, the woman who That's is uh, after oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Johnny Swayze. Savage or whatever his name is. Johnny Swayze. Castle. Johnny Castle. Johnny Castle. Hard. Rock hard. Whatever his name is. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Um, yeah. And uh, I think she, so she took over the the wife part. And uh, and then she, yeah, she's the mom on right. Gilmore Girls. And, and I thought of Gilmore oh. Girls a lot. Well, I didn't think of Gilmore Girls a lot, but I thought of the makers of Gilmore Girls a lot because it feels like the the second season of Mrs. Maisel, Marvelous, must have been totally mm -hmm. inspired by this movie is what it feels like to me or or, uh, the, or that the makers had a similar experience because it's it's I think all they had a similar upbringing. I mean, yeah, but they're they not old the enough. They're not, I don't think, feel like the makers of that show are old enough to to have had that experience, but maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe they're maybe, a little yeah. older than us. And but that was a big thing. I mean, 60s. I mean. I didn't do that. Obviously, I don't think any of us did, but I know, you know, speaking to my parents and other people, like, that's what you did, especially like for Jewish families, yeah. you go up to the Catskills and you had those resorts. Well, remember that, remember the, uh, this Beautiful. was always on W. This was also on PIX all the time. At the Neverly, there's yes. so much to do. You can do the things that's right. that you want to do. Yeah, I can have it yes. all. It's all up to you. At the at the Neverly. Neverly. Is that the, is that in the Catskills yes. or the Poconos? I, it's in one of them, but I mean, it's definitely one of, one of those lines. I don't so, remember yeah. that. I totally remember the beautiful man. No, I remember, I remember both. Yeah. I remember both. So yeah, that was, so it was a thing well into the eighties, like families going to these things. We went yeah. one year cause there was a sports weekend up there at, uh, was one of them called the Concord? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Know. There's a Concord up there. Yeah. Was it? Maybe yeah, we went to I think the, we stayed. Actually, I think we spent a week or a weekend there. Absolutely. I think we There's went a place to called the Concord, Concord yeah. one year because there was a sports weekend and Mookie Wilson and Lee Mazzilli were there signing <gasps> autographs. Oh, wow. So we went up there. That may have that may have been what we did this summer. And they had um, Billie Jean King and Vetus Gerolatus, which yeah. I just got cleared up by a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Vetus Gerolitis was up there and he and Billie Jean King had like a, 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 um, an exhibition tennis. My mom kicked uh, Vetus Gerolitis off a tennis court once. Are you kidding That's me? 
No, there's a big, there's a big, we're total, we'll get to Dirty Dancing at some point. But no, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big legend in the Berman family that my mom and her friends were going to a court to play. They play tennis every week and they went oh. and Vitas Cherylitis was like practicing on the court. You're kidding. And he went over the time and my mom was like, <laughs> that's great, but we reserved the space. And they're like, but he's Vitas Cherylitis. My mom Sandy. was like, I don't give a fuck who it is. We reserve the spot. Please get the guy whose name sounds like a venereal disease off the court so we can play. So Jennifer Grey's an actress and she yes. she's a person. Look at her in this movie. She is mesmerized. I think I really do. She's, I think she's, she's really amazing. great. No. She's just got she has I've never seen lust in the eye, like teen lust in, you know, uh, the, the sexual awakening in the eyes of an actor. <laughs> like, I yeah. feel like I see it in her. She's just really And it's great. a great, the, the moment where, um, what, what I loved about it, we just watched it last night and we, I watched it with Izzy, my daughter who had never seen it mm -hmm. before. Oh my God. And you know, she actually, she Did made she like a couple it? of moments. She's like, Jesus, she's like, calm down, you know, just with, with those lustful eyes, I, it, you know, well, you don't normally <laughs> see it. You normally see, I mean, you can see her, she likes, you see her like swallowing and like her, you yeah. know, I mean, she's hungry. It, 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 there's a song on the soundtrack called hungry eyes and it's hungry eyes because that's Eric Carmen her. got it right. It's what he she's did, playing. And, and I, yeah. And you would think yeah. like, well, that's a very normal human state of affairs to like, you know, be taking somebody in and have that experience. But I don't see it on, I really don't see it quite in that way. And what's a lot. nice, the, the turn where you see it, what I noticed last night and I forgot, cause I haven't, I haven't watched them. I haven't seen the movie in a long, long time. And I, I haven't seen it from the very beginning. If I have watched it, it's like, oh, it's on. I'll just watch it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I haven't seen it from the be very beginning. And she's so, uh, it's, it's, it's such a great character and she does it so well because she's so, she's very confident. She's very assured. She knows what she wants to do. She thinks she knows who she is. Yeah. This is her family. I have no interest in what my sister has an interest in. Right. That's base. That's shallow. That's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yes. I'm going to sit here with my book. She explores. Everyone else is like, I'm going to, you know, sit and play my card. She's like, no, I'm going to explore. I'm going to check out the clubhouse. Like she goes yeah. and she just, she's a discoverer. She's like, I, I, I'm, yeah, she's a discoverer. She's an explorer. She change the world. And that moment when yes. she does walk into the back room <laughs> and she sees the dance, it's great because it's the first time where she's really taken aback. Yeah, she's in and another world of, in yeah. that moment. Yeah, it's and it's her world. reaction that sells it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because now I'm remembering, I don't think I saw it when it first came out in the theaters. I don't think I saw it with my sister and my parents because for, for much the same reason that you said, Jason, I was like, why would I, I, I don't have an interest why in seeing see that. that. You know, yeah. I'm a 15-year-old boy. Or I don't, don't want to see that. Yeah, it was like, this is a movie for girls. That was the- that was Yeah, the, yeah. But I do remember- up. There's something that made me, I was a little nervous. I was like, oh, there's dirty dancing. Well, how is it going to be like, is it like the Lombada? Is it going to be the forbidden dance? Like, what is it going to be like? What is she going to see? What type of dancing? And I remember asking, I think my sister or my mom and being like, when I finally did watch it, either in the screen or when we rented it, being like, so how dirty is the dirty dancing? And they're like, yeah, they grind up against each other. But so watching it now from a modern, you know, in a modern eye, We've seen much worse, but she sells it so well. And compared to, you know, what you see earlier, the dancing of, you know, hey, everyone, mumbo. You see her dancing with Lonnie Price and it's like, and yeah. it's very stiff. And it's, like, uh, you but know, she so, does. But yeah. to your point, Jason, like her, the, yes, just seeing her reaction to it and it's the great. shock, but also like, ooh, what is yeah. that, 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 that. 
the the hunger you know it's yeah she's she's, she's great really throughout good. she's really really good and, and even in the moments when she's sort of you know weepy or whiny or anything you buy it because she's a teen yeah. you know what i mean she's yeah. 17 18 whatever yeah. and it's and it's the 60s and you just buy it and even in the moments where it's like oh that's a little too this side of you know of of i don't know if you'd call it camp but almost too much you know but this is a young actor who's who's figuring herself out and who is who is you know doing what a what a kid would do uh uh you know in who's going through this kind of an uh an awakening like that i love the scene with her and jerry orbach where he's sitting there and he starts to cry oh my god i love the relationship with the father he's not just an abject asshole he's not the dad from footloose you know what i mean yeah he's trying to He's trying to connect with and, her. You know the first time I saw this movie? No. Last night. Oh, I was You've never wonder. seen this? Never seen it. I this is crazy. I thought I had seen this movie. I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this. This will be a great movie. But it was the nope. you were thinking. I, no, I was thinking, Fred, you and I how many times have you that prancing that you got that, that in the hotel room? <laughs> Both of those are forbidden. Forbidden. I how many times do I have to tell you? Uh, the uh, <laughs> prancing. I saw that in a hotel. The, the he said. just said no, that. Did you say that? <laughs> I said you saw that in a hotel once. I wasn't listening. Um, <laughs> the uh, there's a sequel to this that came up on Amazon. Yes, Havana right. Nights. Havana I was Nights. like, you have to be kidding me. They made a sequel to this, no. and then somebody said there's going to be an actual sequel to. Yeah, yeah. that's what I. I that's what I, I read it's as well. DD, <laughs> which will make people think it's Dungeons and Dragons, but I think it's just or, d- or Double D. Yeah, right. Wow. Well, there you go. The, but yeah, uh, Jennifer Grey's going to be in it and she'll be like oh you know, my the, gosh now the, the legacy is, sequel kind of thing you know like, right be like, the director you, you two kids away. you two kids dance dirtily while i watch and i'll paint you <laughs> <laughs> um, paint me like one of your dirty dancers has this direct yeah this director i emil Ardolino. he passed he did away sister act yeah, he's passed he, away, but I think Sister Act was the other movie that he did. He passed away fairly young, I think. I, yeah. I don't know that he did too much, you know, too much more after this, but it's very, very well directed. That's what I was shocked. Yeah. I was like, I was watching this thing. I'm going, what's not to like about this thing? You know, exactly. why did I avoid it? I think it's because of that stigma of like, oh, that's a movie for girls. And as a mm-hmm. teenage boy, you know, my sister, of course, all of our sisters were so into this movie. All the girls yeah. were so into it. And we were like, man, dirty dad. You know, what is the, what it, it is didn't seem, didn't there was nothing shit. that would, that would draw a young, you know, a, a, right. a teen boy in, which might also be why the studio was like, just bury this thing. Because like, Teen boys, so crazy. The, the under twenty five male demographic, it still does. Yeah. But it, then it really that was the driver of the box office. So if you were like, yeah. boys aren't going to want to watch this, you would assume, you know, you just don't realize when the female audience comes out and waves for something, the effect it has. You know, Titanic was like that too. There's a lot of That's movies right. like that where a heavy female audience is. The, the saving grace really drives yeah, it. Drives you know? the sales. They bring their yeah. the husbands to it. They bring their boyfriends and whatever. Yeah. And it's like all of a sudden you got to. But everybody gets dollars. afraid up front. If it's not obviously geared towards young men, they get skittish. I think that's probably that's so part of crazy. it. Crazy. I mean, but this I was, was reading the director. He didn't really have any experience, but he was so passionate about the project. And I guess you know he was a dancer as well. And he got uh, Kenny Ortega to choreograph. He made documentaries about dancing. Emil he, he he had made a bunch of documentaries about dance, so he knew dance. But it's yeah. so well done. Yeah, it's there, there's a great scene. I mean, I mean, it really is. There's really there, I noticed there was like one or two shots in the beginning where it lingered a little too long on Jennifer mm-hmm. Gray's face. It was sort of awkward, but not 
nothing. I was thinking the same thing that like, this is really moving along well. And there's, there's a moment it's, it's one of those movies where I forget how well I know it until I rewatch it. Mm. And there's a moment where it's where she, Jennifer Grey finds out about Cynthia Rhodes character about Mm -hmm. Penny. Yeah. And it's, and I remember thinking this watching last night, I'm like, this is really well directed and staged where you see her run to the dance. It's, it's all in silence. You don't know what she's saying. She just runs she whispers to, um, what's his name? Uh, Patrick Swayze's cousin, who I really liked. Um, yeah, he was good too. I don't remember. What is Joey his name? Joey Exposition. I called him Joey Exposition. Yeah, he was <laughs> a little. Billy. That was his name, Billy. Billy Exposition. But like, she, she runs, she tells Billy, he goes, he tells Patrick Swayze. It's just, right. it, I was thinking last night, this is a very well-directed very well scene directed. where like things are happening, but it's not, you know, it, it's it's not very expositional. Uh, it's moving yeah. the plot along in, a, in, a, in an interesting, in a, just an interesting visual. It's well paced. He knows when to move the camera and when to sit it still. He knows how to, he knows how to photograph dancing. That's the thing. I mean, that's the big thing with this because it is structured like a musical. It's structured like a musical. There are definitely musical sequences in this Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's not people breaking out into song, but it's the same kind of thing. And he knows how to, he knows where to put the camera for that stuff. It's very, it's very well put together. Because more importantly, he, he knows how to film dance because he, he also knows how to teach dance and what it's like to teach and to learn yeah. dance. And yeah. also the he big thing the too inside. was, which I read was he cast actual dancers, yeah. which, and he, he said, he's like, I don't want a body double situation like in flash dance, right. which was, you know, another <gasps> oh, big or, okay. or in footloose. Although I think Kevin Bacon did most of, he did a lot of his I, own I dancing know, in that. Jennifer Beals famously did not do her dancing yeah. in flash dance. But wow, so that's, that's right. why they, they were looking at other actors and they're like Patrick Swayze, you know, was a ballet dancer. Uh, although apparently on his resume, I read he had bad knees. So he's like, I don't want to do any more dancing, what? but he, he, you know, he, he, he put on the, the tap shoes again for this. Yeah, so great. I think that was a really smart move that you get, you know, people who can actually dance. Yeah. And he can, I mean, it is clearly yeah. you know, like it's, it's, oh, he's, incredible. he's fantastic. And Cynthia Rhodes, who's a great dancer. Oh my God. You know? She was amazing. We should, we, yeah. yeah. She, you know, it's, it's very much the, uh, what's the thing they say about, uh, Oh God, who was Fred, Fred, uh, Ginger Rogers, right? She does everything Fred Astaire can do, but backwards and <laughs> but in heels, backwards, you right. know, I mean, I was watching it and I was yeah. like, in some of the sequences, I'm like, well, she's the, you know, everybody's looking at Swayze, talking about Swayze. It's all Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, but she's doing like some of the most amazing stuff in those early sequences with him. Uh, we should mention the, the right, sometimes we forget to mention the screenwriter on these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eleanor Bergstein, who I don't know if she has mm-hmm. other films to her credit, but this was like her story. Like this, like, this was a very personal what? story. Yeah. She wrote this based on her own wow. experiences to some degree. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, uh, and she kind of shepherded the script through, you know, a lot of ups and downs before it got made. But, um, I thought that, you know, what I also thought was really interesting about the movie is how Patrick Swayze, because at first I thought Jennifer Gray is great. Patrick Swayze, you know, he's handsome. He's a great dancer. He's fine, whatever. But I thought his character was actually quite lovely and complex like he's layered. I made yeah, me really layer yeah, he's crying for him towards the end of it. I was like he's just a wounded bee like that's there's that great yeah. scene where he talks about the women at the club and stuff and he says so here yeah, I think I'm scoring big right and for a while you think hey they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't care about me right that's, that's all right I understand you were just using them that's all no no that's not it that's the thing baby see it it wasn't like that 
they were using me. He has such a, and especially the way he reacts to Jerry Orbach, who they're both, both of the men are written, they're very, very complex yeah. characters, <laughs> and not in the way, you, you know, you normally see the Patrick Swayze guy would be kind of like the tough, he'd melt by the end, but he'd be kind of like just a dick. And yeah. Jerry Orbach would just be, like you say, the John Lithgow kind of like fire and brimstone yeah. guy. One but, note, yeah. But, exactly. but, but the care Jerry Orbach takes with Penny in the aftermath of that botched abortion, like how well he, yeah. how well he bifurcates himself to be like, I don't like what's going on here. I'm upset with my daughter. I don't like this situation, but, mm-hmm. but everybody else is like, Oh, he's such a wonderful man. Look at him because he is a, a doctor and he cares for the people he cares for. And so that he, he can yeah. remove himself and, and, uh, and compartmentalize. He really can com- compartmentalize in a very effective way. That's great. I mean, it's, it's a subtle, it's a, not subtle. It's a, it's a very basic thing saying like the doctor is caring and loving with his sure. patient and then has the other side, but you don't always see it. You just, uh, you, or you wouldn't mention it. He'd go in and he'd take care of her and there'd be no mention of how, he, how he was with her and that he was gentle with her and good. Well, that's what and, elevates this movie. I think in the character, exactly. that's what, that's what makes it more than just, you know, and that's exactly my romance. other point though, is that Patrick Swayze's reaction to him is even more Profound because even when yeah. the guy's like, get out of my way, ignores him, don't go near my daughter, all he can see is the kindness he showed, depending on how great he was with her and how he saved yeah. her life. And he's just, you know, mm-hmm. he never has a moment of like, your father doesn't understand. Not one single moment of lashing out at the father or being yeah, upset. Right. I'm sorry about the way my father treated you. Oh, your father was great. I mean, he was great. The- well, you took your penny away. Yes, but I mean the way he was with you. It's really me it has to do with. Johnny, I came here because my father... You no, know, the, the way he saved her... I mean, I, I could never do anything like that. That was something that... I mean, the reason people treat me like I'm nothing is because I'm nothing. That's not true. You, you're everything. It's amazing what he did, and I owe him so much. You get that little scene where he goes to the door of their cabin, and they have a little tiny scene together. It's only about seven or eight lines long, and and Patrick Swayze just has that line about, yep, that is what you would see. But it's not full of vitriol. It's not full of aggression. He's just like... Yes, you're right. It's more about himself. It's yeah, more about exactly. like, yeah, it makes sense that you would see this in me. And he walks away. He walks and away. then she has to come back to him. It's it's, it's beautifully, beautifully written. And be- I was so shocked at how beautifully written and how beautifully directed yeah. this thing is. I, I, I think it's I think it's pretty true. The, the only thing that didn't <laughs> that didn't track so so much for me yeah. is that is the sort of uh, it's a little bit convoluted. Uh, of the of the whole like who's re- the, the whole thing of like who's responsible for this girl i am he assumes that he's the the right, the, right, right, right. He, he is who you know got her pregnant and then at the very very end it's oh the reveal of the it's the other ass it's actually robbie you know? yeah. yeah it's robbie it's the I, other guy. It's i thought that was pretty it was pretty deftly i think it was, I mean, yeah. it's unclear it's just yeah. like wouldn't that have been revealed to jerry why the only reason it's not revealed to jerry orbach earlier is so that we can have the moment of him mm-hmm. going get mm-hmm. out of here and stay what you know what i mean of him sort of having that yeah the, his stand up and cheer moment at the end you know what i mean and that's fine i liked it still but it was just like ah it's a little a little bit convoluted 
But that also goes with Baby not being able to actually tell the truth about her relationship with Johnny. Right. You know, because, well, how do you know that? How do you know all this information? And also at that point, he's sort of, I mean, I know what you're saying, but I think that's, it's also about the fact that, you know, she's, she's not. She, she doesn't have the bravery that Patrick Swayze talks about. Like, you know, you, you, you know, you want me to be brave, but you can't even talk to your dad about this stuff. Right. Um, the moment that really the first moment, cause I, I said, that I thought the same thing, Jason, I was like, wow, he's just, he's like a wounded little yeah, baby, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. and, and it's, it's, it's really touching the moment. And again, this is another one of those moments that I re- rewatching and being like, oh yeah, I always remember this. I always remember liking this when I first saw it. And every time I see it, and I think it's the first time where you see a little bit of that swagger go down and the insecurity. And I love it's after they do, mm-hmm. they go, they do the mambo and they're in the car oh, great and they're driving. Yeah, and she's yeah. changing in the back. It's such a great, and, and they're nervous. And he's like, okay, yeah, I think that went well. He's like, you did good. You did good. You know? And yeah. like, yeah. you see the facade sweet. drop and he felt good and he's nervous about Penny, but he's also, you know, you, it, it's like that, that, that rush, that performer's rush, you know, did we do okay? Did we do all right? Did, was it a good show? And it's a really like lovely moment where they're just sort of like this banter going it, back and forth and, and you sort of see him noticing her in the yeah, back. He's and, right I, I always, back. Yeah. That, that, that scene always sticks out as a really where you see his, his defenses drop a bit and you're like, oh, he's just like a young guy trying to do his best. And, you also and he's see nervous, his... even though they've had this intimate connection over the dancing, but to go further than that is even more intimate, which makes yeah. it so yeah. interesting because you assume from the dancing that he and Penny in the beginning of the movie are a couple, as Jennifer Grey's character does, assumes that they're mm-hmm. a couple because the dancing is so hot and so fiery and so they have such connection and chemistry. You know, we talk about that all the time on this podcast. What is chemistry? What does it mean for chemistry to have two people? Well, it's you know, it's for lack of a better way of expressing it, the idea that these two people want to be with each other, you know what I mean? Intimately. And yet in that car scene, you're absolutely right, Fred, you're going, wait, oh, that now they're, now they're vulnerable again. Now they're a little scared again, even though they've already had this intense physical connection. Yeah. But well, you know, and also it's, it's a great scene because it's the first time he softens towards her in a way. I mean, you see him, Absolutely. Right. Dancing, right. teaching her to dance. He's very, he's abrupt. He's a little rough with her. He's like, come yeah. on, do it again. You know, he, he doesn't take yeah. any shit. He's in full instructor mode. Yeah. And then they do the dance <laughs> and she, and she misses a couple things and screws up a couple steps. And then she doesn't do the leap. And you're kind of waiting for him to get mad at her, to be like, you know, I and hope in you didn't screw up our chances. Would. In a lesser yeah, movie, And they'd have a fight about it. And instead she's yep. like the one saying, I, I screwed up. And he's like, you know, you a week ago, you didn't know how to do any of this. You're yeah, you, you rose, you, to, you the rose occasion. to the occasion. So he's like, yeah. you did great. You did great. You did. Great. It's it's beautiful. It's so small. Like he doesn't go over the top because she didn't do everything exactly right. And she didn't do the leap. But he just, assured, you know, it's it's lovely. The balance of it. It's subtle and yeah. it's lovely. And uh, yeah, and it was unexpected. I thought she, he was going to be like, you know, you got to remember that turn if we ever do that again. You know, it's yeah. like, get out of here. When she messes up, though, she's so <laughs> funny. She's like really the little funny. improvs, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's. She does the that, thumbs over that, here. Yeah, I remember that, funny. you know, always would get the biggest laugh and it, it yeah. still holds up. I was reading somewhere, though, <laughs> speaking of that, that whole training sequence, one of the best scenes in the movie, I think, because it, it, it's so honest and true and it's great, is when, you know, Hungry Eyes is playing and they're <laughs> smoldering and it's that side oh, yeah. thing and he starts to, to yeah. rub his arm and she starts yeah, to laugh giggles, and he's yeah. getting pissed. Apparently, that was, that real, right? happened. 
Yeah. yeah. She kept laughing and he was, because re- they did not get along <laughs> and he was getting really annoyed and that uh-huh. wasn't in the original movie. They found that on the cutting room floor what? and they put it in oh, and they're like, because it's the most honest moment, but she was really laughing. He was really getting pissed off. That's really um, good. And you know, and, and, and to that, to that point and to your point about the chemistry, now what I found interesting this time was- awesome. And and knowing their history and knowing that they didn't get along in Red Dawn and that they didn't really, and apparently like it got to a point where they were really sort of faced off and the directors were like, okay, we need you to watch your chemistry test again because yeah. you oh, need to go back to that, wow. watch that. And that sort of like re-sparked things. Wow. But all that being said, Jeez. they do, they have amazing chemistry in their scene work, I mm-hmm. think. And even in the scenes where like everything, where things are a little overblown and a little overdramatic and the writing's a little over. T- well, that's what I was going to say. They have amazing chemistry in their scene work. They have amazing chemistry when they dance. They have amazing chemistry when they're just, you know, on yeah. the screen together. As soon as it gets physical, where they have to kiss, it is so obvious yes. that he does not want to kiss her. Exactly. Even Izzy was like, exactly. Izzy, who hates watching kissing scenes, is always like, you have to warn me as if there's a kissing know. scene. She was like, oh my God, why doesn't he want to kiss her? I guess I can't remember Ghost. Does, it, does he really get, do, he kisses Demi more? well uh, i can't remember <laughs> they do pottery well together i thought this you looks like kiss when you have the pottery this moment. looks like bill murray kissing anybody in anything ever <laughs> is what i thought when i watched patrick swayze kiss uh, jennifer gray uh, go back uh, find just look at bill murray kissing google that you'll see an awkward uh, thing with sigourney weaver it's like it's sigourney weaver for god's sake it's Karen Allen. These are beautiful women. We'll have call Richard Dreyfus and ask him what it was like during What About Bob when they had their kissing <laughs> moments. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was the one moment where it was like it was like chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. Oh no, it just it just literally went out the window. Yeah, There's the not bomb there. dropped out of it. I totally agree, Fred. And seeing it in like you know ultra HD or whatever is like <laughs> oh my god. That he he's just it's almost like he's like trying he's he's. He's as far, his face is as far as away from her face as it can be and still have their lips touch. He's like reaching his lips out to basically chew her lip with yeah, his lip. It's, it's like he had odd. an operation on his mouth the day before filming. <laughs> and he's like, just, <laughs> he's like, I don't want to pop something. When he first walks on that screen, I mean, God, he is, oh, yeah. he just oozes, he oozes coolness and sex. And when he, when he throws those sunglasses on, Holy smokes. I yeah, mean, he's full Danny, man. Danny Zuko. He's, like he's full Fonzie. Yeah. He's full Fonzie in that moment. But she is too. Her her whole, you know, she's so good. And you, and you got to yeah. go, well, what happened? And I know the whole thing with the, you know, this story as well. The nose job killed her career. I mean, but how true is that? I don't know. I mean, did, did she... Was she up for more big things after that? I mean, you know, she was, I don't know. she's just so um, magnetic in it. And you just love her so much throughout this whole thing. This movie was was a little hard <gasps> to watch with uh, yeah, recent yes. rulings with the Supreme Court. No, I mean, it, was, it really. It was very uh, angering. Yeah, very, very, it's very you know, disturbing. And, and apparently like, I was I'm reading that yummy. like Planned Parenthood and a lot of other, you know, abortion rights and, 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 and uh, pro-choice organizations really point to this movie as being one of the better examples mm-hmm. of, you know, like a very compassionate look yes. of, and, and a realistic and an honest yes. look at, at abortion. Uh, and they, they really do. They handle it well. But, again. This is like, this yeah. is, uh, this is eight years yeah, before Roe v. Wade shit. or 10 years yeah. before Roe v. Wade. And now mm-hmm. we're back to, you know, now we're going back to those 
those times. Yeah. It, it's like it, you've learned nothing. It was very angering it, and very triggering. It was, to it was, it was very Jesus. interesting watching it with Izzy, you know, with my mm. wife and Izzy oh, and having to wow. sort of explain this to her. Yeah. And she's like, I don't understand. Like, why is this? Mm. She's, she's like, wait, this is illegal? <sighs> Uh, and we we're like, well, yeah, it was, and it, and it is again, is again. And, and you know, it's, there you are. but yeah, they, yeah. they really, they, yeah, they do, they handle it really well, and it's, it's, it, and it's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a brave plot point. I mean, so much. I yeah, mean, very. the movie hinges on that. Yes, the whole you know, there movie would not hinges be a movie. It. It's the reason they dance together. It's the reason they get together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, that's it's exactly done. Right. Yeah, they they handle it. It's 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 you know upsetting, but they handle it really really well. Um, the one thing. That's, you know, bringing us to sort of what the the episode we're going to be talking about with soundtracks, with the music. Mm. I mean, it, it is amazing. The, the soundtrack is incredible. And it is. It's great. spoiler alert, this is not on my list, but I was thinking about it that like, ostensibly, this could be the greatest movie soundtracks of all time. Time, I'm sure it's on someone's list and it, it should be up and it should rightly well be very high because it's you have these amazing classic enough. songs, mm-hmm. right? You know, from, from the era, but then the other songs that are on there, are you know, the at 80s, least I don't yeah. know if the Pointer Sisters one from the 80s mm-hmm. have become sort of classics in their own right, right yeah. in, in their own way. So, which She's doesn't really like happen often. That's Swayze, that right? Being, yeah. That's Swayze, I, I, yeah. I read something saying it's the, it's, 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 uh, a brilliant soundtrack because of exactly that because of how it, it is both a perfect distillation of the time it is set and the time it's made simultaneously yes. and that is weird it's weird for them to even do that to set it in the 60s and use 60s music and then to even have the 80s songs on the soundtrack because they're not made to sound like 60s you know what I mean it's not like that thing you do or something where you're like we made it songs that sound like they're from the era I actually right. think it's and I think when those songs play, they're not, you would think the 80s songs would feel more jarring. And I, maybe they do to some people. They didn't feel and jarring they did to, me. to me. Really? Oh, do they? Oh. I liked it. I liked them. I liked them. Yeah. Once when, when, um, the first, cause the first instance, and I hate to disparage, I think it was Huey. I hate to disparage anything about Huey Lewis, but the first <gasps> instance of that is when she's going to the party when, with the watermelon and before... Um, Do You Love Me, it starts to play, I think. I can't remember if that's the one. But before that, there's, I think it's a Huey Lewis in the News song. Mm. And it's like them doing a 60s cover. And it's very obvious, oh. just production quality-wise. Oh. It's in the background. It's not yeah, like a major one, but just Huey production Lewis. quality. I'm like, nope, that's 80s. And it took me out. Huh, and even when Hungry Eyes first started, <laughs> I, first, I wrote, I was like, no, Eric Harmon, no. And it works. As the sequence goes on, you get used to it yeah. because it, it just became such a ubiquitous song of the time. But right. I do, in, in any movie like that, in any movie where it does that, where it throws in these 80s songs mm. and it takes, you know, it's a period piece. I do wish they worked a little harder to find. I wish they could just find it. Maybe it's a rights thing. I don't know. But it does take me out a little bit. Time in my life, I mean, we all know what the song is, but <laughs> it, it it does take me out a little bit of the, you know, it, it, especially at the end when Patrick Swayze is sort of, you know, singing along with it. I'm like, no, this song hasn't been written yet. It's so obviously yeah. produced from the <laughs> yeah, 80s. That's true.
No, not by any... But I do wish they just... And I get it. They need to. They need to come up with a new song. They, they have to find a hit song because that's more money revenue. Well, especially in the 80s and 90s, the soundtracks would drive movie ticket yeah. sales and the movies would drive album sales. It's not that doesn't mm. exist anymore that nobody cares about. Oh, you know really? what I mean? It's, it's, just, no, no, it's just not the same thing. I mean, it's huh. to, not to the same degree. In the 80s, every every movie had to have a song tied to it. And so to take it this and make it right. a period piece from the sixties, there must've been a lot of conversations about this because it's like, it's definitely a music driven movie, but we're not going to get, I mean, it, good morning. Vietnam comes out later that year. And of course it's just right. tracks from yeah. the, you know, from right. the era because it's, right. that's right. the type of movie it is. And it's about a DJ in that time and place. There are no right. original songs written for that, but for this market, for like the young teen girl market and for the, the big eighties movie after top gun and, and the Ghostbusters and everything. I mean, every movie had a, you song, know, every yeah. hit movie kind of had a huge, song and video attached to it and yeah. it's just become less important as the 90s wore on it became but really the 80s and the 90s are like the when you think of like huge soundtracks like the things we're going to be talking about they're mostly the biggest ones come from you know the those eras the ones that people like owned bought that you know like i got a single from you know there's a lot of movies like yeah you know, like, you know, you think of Ghostbusters, there's the one song that's an amazing song. It's not a, a, an album loaded with greats. Huey Lewis would disagree. Mm, he'd be wrong. He's got, by the next year, he's got Power of Love. And that's the only song that's worth anything on that album. Hold on. You know. wait, 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 wait. We need to stop. Hold on. Are we actually saying that Ghostbusters is a great song and Huey Lewis should not be upset that it was blatantly a ripoff? Of I Want a New Drug. Is that what you're saying on this podcast? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Ghostbusters is a great song. I don't care. I don't care if it has the exact same tune. It works like fucking uh, Ghostbusters works like gangbusters. And there's no two ways about it. Thank you, That's Gene a Charlotte. novelty song. I don't know if I it call it a It might be a novelty song. song. It's on every top whatever list of the 80s. Don't worry. It's not on my list of great soundtracks. <laughs> Yes, but it's it a great fucking song. It's not a. It's not a novelty. A novelty song is the Honeymooners rap, the the the, the, the John Wayne rap. Ghostbusters. No, Ghostbusters is a novelty. It's absolutely a novelty song. It's not a novelty song because it's because it's about the Ghostbusters. Yes. just like John Wayne, the the the, 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 busting, the, the rapping it's Duke is about a, a rapping Duke. A, yes, but there's no movie called the rapping Duke. It's a movie uh, called Ghostbusters, and it's a song right. about ghost busting. It's actually right. very well. It's it's I think a well constructed, well chosen piece of music to to launch a franchise with. It's it a good song. Well. I'm not going to say it's a great song, or it's uh, I don't know the way you. I guess it's the way you're expressing it. You're talking about it like it's like it's like it's pet sound. The song drove. You have to back away from the microphone, the Jason. You have to back away from the microphone. The when you get drove. loud, you move closer to the mic, and you are blowing me out. You can't. And what we're do saying that. is, you're getting loud about. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Look, Jesus, you always I'm upset you know, because and I'm making a point. You can't do that. <laughs>
Lord, this is it. Golden Sheila. This might be Golden Sheila's okay. best argument. Christ. Ray Parker Jr. What? He's always causing problems. Dirty Dancing. How many Sheilas? <laughs> 8.5 Sheila's for Dirty still Dancing. Still doing it. Still doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm I'm as far away as I always am from my mic. I can turn it down for you. He's upset. At, he's, he's like, this is like Blade Runner upset. I'm, no, I'm he's just saying that like, you can't deny like but, but Ghostbusters. No, it's an earworm. Drove it's a soundtrack earworm, that, you know, I mean, it was like a huge, huge hit. I, that's all I was saying is that it was very yes, important it was a big to hit. have a song it was an earworm. connected to your. But it's a novelty song. I, who, whatever. I mean, has Ray <laughs> Parker Jr. ever admitted to stealing it from Huey Lewis? Is my question. He paid him. That's how he admitted yeah, he it. They <laughs> settled it at the trial, but he never f- yeah. fully said, "Yes, I stole the." I don't think Ray Parker Jr. did it, but Ray Parker Sr. was like, "No, my son did." <laughs> I've never, I've never heard Ray Parker Jr. talk. Since 1984, <laughs> why would how would I know what he thinks about anything? All yes. right, nine Sheilas, I give it nine I, because I think I think Ooh, it holds up good. for all the faults of the movie. You know, and there's not many. For me, it was just like the music. There was a few. Patrick Swayze's accent. I'm like, dude, just be Patrick Swayze. Don't try to do the New York accent. Yeah, I know. Which I never noticed until the showing. They should have thrown that out. He does not need to Yeah, he doesn't need to. He he doesn't need to. He's got so much going for him. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But they're amazing. The script really holds it. Even when the script is overblown and a little melodramatic, they make it work. And it just... It hold, what what I was selling it when when I was trying to get Izzy to watch and I'm like you don't understand this was the summer movie mm-hmm. this everyone wanted to see this movie and it and it holds up for exactly what yes it's supposed I, to be so I, I give it nine I'm so surprised it came out as late as it did in the summer the fact that it was like the last week of August because I think they're trying to bury it like no what you I know said. but it's so funny because it is considered Weird. like this big summer hit so it just it took off like a rocket. You know what I mean? Like you were because it only had like two weeks of summer play in the movie theaters before we were all back at school and stuff. But like people went and saw it. It was like the last big, you know, smash of the summer. And and then, you know, and then it played through the fall and it was a big thing on video. But yeah, it's funny. You would have thought that this would have been in theaters longer during the summer. But anyway, how about you, Dan? How many? I'm 8.5. I'm sticking with 8.5. Wow. Very good. You're nine, you're 8.5. I was going to go eight on it. Yeah. It's much higher than I thought it would be for me. I was not expecting to like it. I was not expecting to be so into it as I was. And I, it just kept surprising me with how, this is a weird thing to say with how un-Hollywood it was, you know, the, the, and poor, you know, we have to say what a loss Patrick Swayze. I mean, God bless him. He yeah. passed away so young and mm. what a loss he was. He reminds me of all the great old star. I mean, he's yeah. a classic movie star. He he reminds me of the old, he reminds me of Jimmy Stewart sometimes in the way, in the way he reacts to things. He reminds me of Cary Grant sometimes. Like he's, a, he's an old timey movie star, you know, mm-hmm. in 20 years later, 30 years later. And it, he was just absolutely wonderful. There was one technical thing. The sound didn't track. You son of a bitch. Because we're doing sound tracks. Again, no need for a segue. But that's all I know. You gave us one that's anyway. That's all I know. It is it's all he can do. <laughs> that's right. Let him have it. Let him have this. It's all he can do, Fred, Jason. I, yes, no, Fred d- delightfully segued us into... <laughs> 
what I will call our top five-ish Finkel soundtracks. <laughs> I say f- it's five-ish because I know I have some ties on my list. I think Fred's got honorable mentions. And, you know, and Dan maybe only has two or three and he can take a couple of ours if he likes them. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, there are some soundtracks that only have like one or two like I mean, honestly, like I think in the top five or six soundtracks of all time is uh, is Titanic, which is an orchestral score with one song with the Celine Dion song. song. So sometimes that's, you know, that's all it takes. Um, When you guys started talking about it, because I thought that you were getting heated, Fred, because Jason had said Power of Love is the only good song on Back to the Future. And I thought you were going to start defending Back in Time. Which because is also good. Think that's no, I will never song. defend Back in Time. No, it's one of the lesser Huey Lewis songs. No, that's you know a good song. It's fine. You know it's what's fine. hilarious? That song is so beloved. I saw Huey Lewis and the News in concert after a Mets game. You know, maybe I don't know, seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever. He played it at, at, at City Field. Yeah, uh, and uh, he um, he basically not didn't apologize, but was like. And we have to do this one uh, because it's, you know, people love it. And it was back in time. And oh, wow. <laughs> it was clearly begrudgingly. Oh, wow. It was like we got people for some reason enjoy this, you know, and it's like and everyone went nuts for it. And they were like, yes, because we love this movie and this fucking song, you know, and See, of course, so he did funny. Power of Love I and would, Heart and Soul and all those. I would assume that Power of Love would be enough to satisfy Lovers of Back to the Future. No, truly, because right. I yeah, don't right. think about back. I mean, back in time, yes. I, but I, I, yeah. it's always secondary. It's or tertiary. It's like a, it's like a deep cut for the fans. And you know, you always like. That's like it. as a kid, I was like, now the Land of the Lost opening theme song is great, <laughs> but it's the the final credits theme song that I love not the most. Wrong. When I look all around, I can't believe the things I found. I got to find my way. I'm lost. I'm lost. Find me living in the land. Anyway, so it's like that deep cut thing where sometimes that's my number five. Yeah, good. Do we have criteria? My 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 criteria was that I because there was a lot. There are a lot of great soundtracks to movies that I'm like, the movie's okay, but the soundtrack's great. And I was like, I I wanted to be. I had to legitimately love the movie that the soundtrack came from. I couldn't just like the music. Oh, okay. This is just for me, and that I couldn't think of the film. Well, this is easier. This everybody does this because sound. That's makes me. Up so I can't much think of, of the film, but no, I no, like I mean, the soundtrack. But I'm I couldn't think of the film without hearing at least one of the tracks in my head immediately. You know, it's like it's so connected oh, to me uh, to yeah. music. And I also tried to choose soundtracks where everything on the album comes together for me. That there's like balance and coverage over the whole thing. That wow. it's not a one or two songs that really pop, and I don't really like the others, or I don't care. They, they have to be just with the ones that I chose. There are probably like five or six cues on each of these that are like kind of indispensable to me. Like, are like, Oh, that's there. They all tie together to make the, the sure. movie and the soundtrack what it is. So that was where I was coming Great. from. I think mine are probably weird. I wonder if there's going to be, I think maybe you and I will overlap somewhere. My Fred, guess is like I, and I'll do, I'll probably, I I, I'm probably going to throw out a bunch of honorable mentions. I was like, should I do the honorable mentions at the end or should I just do them before my number one? And there's really no number one, but I, I was, I had a really <laughs> tough time because the more I thought I could easily do 10, I could easily do more, but my criteria were, can I remember it? Can I remember <laughs> that it had a soundtrack? Can I remember what a soundtrack is as opposed mm-hmm. to a score? 
which I texted you guys about 46 times. Can it be a musical? Can it, what is a musical? Uh, what is a song? Does it need to have a melody? Does it need to be sung by a person in it? I basically said, think of any movie that has music in it. Yes. But we're talking about like needle drops. You know, that's the term where like a needle drop moment where songs, you know, that's not, that weren't composed necessarily. Although sometimes, no, no, it can you be know, for the It movie. can be composed for the yeah, movie. Yeah, it can be composed it could for be, it. It could be like, you know, like I, like Grease is considered like the, one of the top five or ten right. soundtracks. Of all that's all music. You know, that's a musical and the music's obviously all written for it. It's not repurposing other stuff. But then there are soundtracks which are just purely like Fred said, needle drops, like the Good Morning Vietnam soundtrack. So it's yeah, it's basically just songs versus. But the following music. is not a needle drop. That's not a needle drop. No. Well, that version <laughs> is. Yes. That's a mic drop, which has uh, happened. Yes. Uh, if, a grown, if a grown man sings it like that and then that gets used in a movie. And yes. And that would be. <laughs> I'll start because yeah, I want to do, I want to finish. I sort of want to explain my criteria, which actually oh. makes no sense at all. Oh, it doesn't ahead. really make sense and it doesn't track. But in trying to whittle it down, which I'm not going to do because I'm just going to name all my honorable mentions anyway really quick. Okay. But um, I was thinking like, okay, Goodfellas, favorite movie of all time. Amazing soundtrack. Amazing soundtrack would v- probably be on a top 10 list of mine. But I remember being disappointed when I got it because that that to me is like the best needle drop movie ever. The drug sequence alone, best music cues ever in a movie. Oh, my God. And they're constant. But a lot of them weren't on the soundtrack. And I remember when I got the soundtrack, I'm like, oh, wait, but I want the other stuff. I want, you know, Harry Nilsson into the fire. I want George Harrison. Like, I want all of the songs on there. Um, so I, I took that off. Cause I remember when I got the soundtrack, what are you confused about, Dan? What are you looking at me? Confused? Wait, 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 wait. It doesn't wait, have wait, to be the album. That's wait. just his criteria. Is that's that, just my criteria. His criteria is that all the music should be on the album that was released. It's a great so soundtrack. Soon. It's a great soundtrack and it doesn't need a, but, to be, but there's a lot of what you're saying is there's a lot of m- music in the movie. Goodfellas that doesn't wind up on the album. If that you bought, right, but you, but, but you can't do that. That's an impossibility. There you'd are have three to million like songs. Three it would have to be like yeah. a triple album. You'd have to release many albums. You're right. And sometimes, so I'm just saying for myself, I just remember when I got this CD of Goodfellas, I was so excited. It's a great soundtrack. I'll put it on and listen to it. It still gets me going. I just remember at the time being like, oh, but I wish this song was on there. That doesn't mean it's not a great soundtrack. I'm just, what are you confused about still, Dan? But that takes it off your list for you? For me, for if to keep it down for five. He's got I'm so saying many. for five. He's got so many. And it's the same reason why, again, cheating here, Dazed and Confused should be on there. I don't include it because they couldn't get the rights to Sweet Emotion. Sweet Emotion, to me, should be on that album. That's And they also released two versions, but Dazed and Confused... Um, so that's why for me, I was like, oh, it's not a, it would be a perfect soundtrack. If Sweet Emotion was on the Dazed and Confused soundtrack, 
perfect soundtrack because that's an integral part of the movie. Um, let me say the other ones, my, my honorable mentions, Boogie Nights. Uh, I really wanted to keep on there. I had to take off again because it was split into two volumes. I couldn't figure out which one I liked. Uh, Animal House, that would have been on there. Mm, Fantastic soundtrack. Great. You know, it's like a Dirty Dancing before Dirty Dancing. Um, the Graduate, great soundtrack. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, those were both on there. They would be in the top 10. Actually, vol- uh, uh, Volume 2 would have been on there. Um, and I have to mention oh, the movie Over the Edge, the soundtrack, which was Matt Dillon's first movie, for no other reason than it was the first movie that introduced me to Cheap Trick. Uh, it was all Cheap Trick. It's Cheap Trick, Van Halen, the Ramones. It's wow. all a like disassociated wow. youth movie. So Over the Edge? I thought you were talking about the movie with Stallone that's about uh, arm wrestling. No, that's over the top. <laughs> so those those all are my honorable mentions there um, and could probably be in the top five. My number five, if we can go, yeah, go is, a, is a tie between, and this is all nostalgia. These aren't necessarily <laughs> ones that I listen to, but I had to include them because I think they're important. And you mentioned one of them, Jason. Grease original album soundtrack yeah. Yeah. because I just remember that was everyone had it. Everyone it was had to me, it. everyone. It was the first soundtrack. I can feel it in my hands. It was double, you know, yep. double billfold. You'd opened it, you opened it up. And every song, I mean, there wasn't a skipper on there. We just listened to it over and over and over again. And to me, like when I think of soundtracks, I see it. I see the vinyl. So that's got we just listened to it ad nauseum. And the other one which is just a work of pure brilliance. Same thing. Everyone had it. It's the Muppet movie. Yes. It was. Yes. You have yes, that's everything great. on that album. You're right. It's brilliant. The Paul Williams music. Every You have the, the folk contemplation. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions, and rainbows have nothing to hide. Those to me are just like, those are my first yeah, soundtracks as a kid, where I just wanted to listen to them over and over again. I can see them, I can smell them. Uh, and they've got to be on vinyl. I don't want to hear about uh, CD or Correct. Spotify. Or, you know, that was the Correct. other that was the other very interesting thing about this, which I think is going to be difficult uh, for 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 the, for the young people listening. You know, a lot of these I would look up. I'd go on Spotify or iTunes to try to find because all my CDs are packed away now. Yeah. I have mm. some of these on vinyl, uh, but you can't. Some of them you can't find in the soundtrack form on Spotify. You'll see no, you the playlists. playlists where they can go and they can pull oh. the songs that didn't make it into the movie too. You know, you can have a Goodfellas playlist that has everything that was ever. It's got everything. Yeah. The Boogie Nights, one of the Days and Confused, they're all there. But I'm talking about the actual soundtrack. So, yeah. so that's that's my number five: the tie, Grease, and the Muppet Movie. Nice, Danny. What's your? What would you say is number five? Uh, I'll go through my honor. And I just added this to the honorable mentions when you said it, Greece. Yeah, for sure. My other honorable mentions are Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs and Midnight Cowboy. Mm, Um, and I just love those. But, uh, uh, number five was not my number five was not a move, not a movie that I really gave a shit about or paid any attention to until, uh, uh, Taylor, um, sort of reintroduced it to me because it was like, 
one of these movies that's like, oh yeah, it's 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 a Disney movie, but it's for girls, you know? And I, I couldn't have been more wrong. It's Mary Poppins. Mm. It mm. is so <laughs> so great i mean it's it's a it's a long movie and it's but it's kind of a perfect movie and it's not you know it, it's one of those movies where you can't we had that soundtrack too we had you know we listened to super califragilistic and spoonful of sugar yeah. and i was like oh but that's my sister's record you know what i mean yeah. she listens to that or it's on a disney album of compilation songs that happens to have chim chim cherry on it but then when taylor was like no no actually sit and watch this movie and i sat and watched it. i was like this is this is brilliant say what you want about dick van dyke and his accent he's <laughs> He's pretty damn perfect in it. And I also love when the when the lambs go, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. That's one of the best moments. <laughs> um, I love have you guys seen the movie? Have you guys seen when I was a kid. Like all the way through? Yeah. I haven't oh, seen it since I was a kid. Oh my god. Give it a rewatch. It's super califragilistic, expialidocious, even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious. Super califragilistic, expialidocious. How about you, Jason? My number five is When Harry Met Sally. Um, Great one. Oh. Like Prince, you know, like Prince with Purple Rain. This is like one of the few soundtracks I can think of where the entire album is credited to one artist, to one performer. And in this case, you know, it's Harry Connick Jr., the great, very, very young at the time. I mean, he was in his... 20s but he had like this such is the thing a that broke him, that soundtrack voice. really yeah. it was incredible ah. yeah that's that's what's even more impressive in a way that it wasn't like we got this st- it's not like getting prince to do batman and be like here's a big star <laughs> and here's like a, a, a do this concept album to go with our movie it's like they just found the right guy to to suit the film you know um and he his voice is like butter it's like <laughs> it really is it's incredible he's got all this very young sinatra energy and the music's very wistful and jaunty and messy and romantic it's very it's like quintessentially new york city it feels very upper west side but it's also yeah it's got it's just it's just great it just feels like it just feels like the movie. It just feels like the characters and their kind of their playfulness with each other. You know, he's got a lot of playfulness in his voice and it's got that big band sound, big expansive emotions. And then it's also got a comic energy to it. It's, it's really great. It feels like it's perfect music for a perfect movie. It had to be you. It had to be you. I wandered around and finally found the somebody who could make me be true. So that's my. Yeah, we used to listen to that. I remember Mike Polovsky used to play that on a loop when we were Mm. sophomores on Constitution Hall, and we would like, it was me, Mike, Pete, Andy Wells, like all on the same floor. And like, I feel like everyone was always playing that CD and we were all singing it. And and it's romantic. And it was like, yeah, it's like, you know, I I played uh, it. it had to be you was the song that my so wife great. and I danced to, you know, at oh, our, at our wedding. Right. It's just, 
it's really it's really great that movie holds a special place in my heart for a lot of reasons it was a screening at bryant park uh in manhattan is where i proposed to my wife and then you know so anyway we I, i've but i've always loved it i mean from the i can remember the day i saw it that's why i love blade runner so much i proposed to kate when we were was a screening a blade runner it's good it was right at the was unicorn it when, scene was it, oh i thought it was when rutger harrow was naked and shivering and mumbling um <laughs> that was when we first made love oh that's good oh. which right after I proposed. (laughs) My number four is a tie. I'm not giving any honorable mentions because I have uh, a couple of ties on my list. So I figure that'll take care of it. Um, And this is the slot where I choose music written specifically for the films and performed by the characters in those films. So much like they're not really musicals, but it, 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 it tracks in that way. And, uh, the tie is between a mighty wind and South Park, bigger, longer and uncut. Uh, oh, that's a great is essentially a musical. Yeah. So funny. It's so shocking. And like most, uh, unlike most musicals, it is genre defying. It doesn't, it isn't like one <laughs> type of show. It's like, it's got a little something from every kind of flavor of musical you can think of. It jumps around stylistically from the Les Mis parody, La Resistance to the power ballad up there sung by Satan, um, pining for Saddam Hussein. It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. And then there's just, Literally the most shocking juvenile hysterical song ever. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're a cocksucking ass licking Uncle Fucker. You're an Uncle Fucker. Yes, it's true. Nobody fucks uncles quite like you. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're the one that fucked your uncle, Uncle Fucker. You don't eat or sleep or mow the lawn. You just fuck your uncle all day long. I was just singing that to my kids the other night. <laughs> it's oh, so saying like, you need to watch this movie oh just because God. of this song. You have to. I mean, I remember losing my mind in the movie theater. Yeah. You know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are geniuses. I was doing the fart solo and they're like, There's what are you a doing? Fart solo like, in it. That's right. It's yes, like, I saw that inspired you and your solo. work, Dan. Um, Indeed. You know, then they, they basically went on to create a, a literal parody of movie soundtracks with Team America a few years later. But this yes. this remains the gold standard, I think. Uh, as for Mighty Wind, it's just so good. Like, it's the same thing they did with Spinal Tap, but I think even more successfully that Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, uh, Harry Shearer, like, they, it, this is like the folk music style is approximated so beautifully and so perfectly like the music is funny but it's not it is parody and it's not because the execution is so good that if you're not really listening closely to the lyrics you would just think it's just a folk song of the of the era it's not you know it's not a gag song it's not a joke song yes some mighty winds are blowing across the land and across the sea it's blowing peace and freedom it's blowing equality Yes, it's blowing peace and freedom. It's blowing you and me. But the the great song on that uh, album, the greatest song, I think, is the... a kiss at the end of the rainbow. It's gorgeous. So great. It's affecting because it is utterly sincere and earnest. And it's written by Annette O'Toole um, and Michael McKeon and performed by mm. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. It is just so there's nothing jokey or winky about it. It's just it can legitimately bring a tear to your eye. Um and the climax of the whole film revolves around the performance of that song. It's just so good. So those are my. And they did it at the Oscars, fours. I remember, right? It got nominated and they performed yeah, it at yeah, the Oscars. Yeah. And with the day of doom, 
tales have all been told There's a kiss at the end of the rainbow More precious than a pot of my uh, number five is one of these albums that every it was in everyone's four. home. Every my number, number four. four. Is this your number four? It, this is your number, number four. Four. Yes. Sorry. Four. Um, it was in everyone's home. This album, Saturday Night Fever. It was in everybody's home, yeah. and I had yeah. never seen the movie because it was you know it was too I was too young to have seen it, and my parents were like, yeah. "You're not seeing this," and it's too racy, and it's too and it's too you know uh, old for you. And and uh, but we boy did we have the album, and we listened to it on repeat. It was uh, you know or, or you know restarted you re- the record over and over. Yeah. Do you remember they re-released it as a PG? They they edited it and re-released it into theaters with a PG rating. I rate do not remember like that. 1978 no. or 79. Yeah. Oh, wow. They did because kids wanted to see it so much and they weren't allowed to see the it. Soundtrack. And the soundtrack was so big. And, and so they did a chopped yeah. up version for, they did a version that kids could go see in the theater. That's one of those things where you cannot think of the movie without thinking of the soundtrack. Yeah, it's linked. They, yeah. they go completely, completely together. Completely hand yeah. in hand. You're right. You're right. Fredo, what's your number four? And the reason for my number four comes from the old adage, the bigger the cushion, the sweeter the pushing. That's what I said. <laughs> oh, the looser the waistband, the deeper the quicksand. So I have read. So That's the greatest line. Read. Maybe on, maybe on any soundtrack ever. So I have, so read. I have read. So David St. Hubbins has read. David St. Hubbins and Nigel were just toughing over, sitting around. It's, oh, did you see this? Oh my! I read somewhere. God. The wider the waistband, the deeper the crooks. Yeah. Oh, I should put yeah. that. I, I read that. You read it on a bathroom yeah. door. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> read it on a toilet right. stall. It's much like you said about Mighty Wind. It's uh, Rob Reiner's, Rob Reiner's, not Christopher yeah, Guest. Yeah. It's Rob Reiner's. Yes. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. Just for no other, and, and look, this isn't, this isn't something that I sit down and listen to all the time. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but it's, uh, well, I, but I love the songs dearly. And it's just, it's a feat that they created they created a musical history of a rock band, yeah. you know, the fact that they wrote all these songs uh, and it just seems something. And I get, you know, you could say that they did that, you know, with the Ruddles movie, you know, the, the Ruddles did that mm. before this. But, you know, this was this was my Ruddles. This mm. was that first time they create a full yeah. History, you know, with give me some money yeah, and listen right. to the flower That's people, and you just <laughs> give me some money. Is one of the best. <laughs> it's stupid. It's, so it's good. the best. 
I, I, to this day, I keep waiting where someone's like, name, you know, give me like your, uh, you know, your favorite drummer list. And I somehow want to get, uh, uh, Ed Bakley Jr. On, uh, who's he? It was his name. Ron Stumpy Pete was his name. He's got that one moment pushing up the glasses on the nose, um, as the drummer for that song. But it's just, it's what they did. And they, you know, they, they're all playing there. I mean, I was listening to it actually couple of weeks ago, I'm like, I feel like listening to this is to, to tonight. I'm going to rock you. And I'm like, man, they're all playing. Like these guys yeah. are really good players. And it's just amazing what they do. Like you said, with Mighty Wind, how you could hear these songs and just be like, yeah, I'm listening to WBAB on a weekend on yes. Long Island. These are just old, like, you know, hard rock songs, classic rock songs. So Fantastic. it's, uh, you know, tap into America. <laughs> And they've tapped into my <laughs> top five list. How's what's your um? Uh, that was your number four, right? Yeah. So what's your number three? Oh, my number Soon three is an album that I love. It's a movie that I love, and it's an album that I love. I love all the songs on it. It is the Singles soundtrack. Oh, uh, that's a very popular one. Yeah, now. the movie from Singles came out in the nineties. I just I listened. This is and now I'm getting to my top three are really. I was like, well, what are the ones that I listen? I just listen to the most. I just always will put on and enjoy listening to, and and all the move the ones that I mentioned before, like Boogie Nights and Goodfellas and all those, and Days and Confused, like those, those are all on there as well. But I I just listened to that single soundtrack over and over again uh, in in the '90s, and it's such a, it's such a t- even like the movie itself, but the soundtrack, it just brings you back to that time and place. And some people would say that, you know, reality bites. It's like, if you want to feel like you're in the nineties, watch Uh, reality bites. To me, it's singles. To me, you watch singles and you're like, Oh, you're there. And it's of that scene. Oh, and another one that would be on my honorable mention list. And I almost had a tie with these was almost famous, which they're both Cameron Crowe, you know, and he does such a great job. I mean, almost famous for no other reason that it's, it's the first time Led Zeppelin ever allowed a song of theirs to be on a soundtrack. They never, they were famously very much a, against that That's interesting. and it's a great one that's the way which is a real sort of like deep cut from zeppelin 3 mm. but he just you know camera crow is such a uh, a music aficionado uh and he really he was friends with all these bands when they're first coming up in seattle in the 90s you know this is pearl jam's two first recordings arguably one of my favorite pearl jam songs ever state of love and trust these are their very first recordings oh, wow. mother love bone which was a very popular you know, it was all like these underground bands like Soundgarden, which was huge but the, at the time they were all underground bands that if you were from seattle you knew <laughs> but this was before you know the nirvana and the pearl jam the big explosion of that time and, he's in uh, the and movie you also Eddie have two Eddie. Great. He's in it, right? Isn't he? Eddie in Vedder's it? in the movie. So he plays cool. the the drummer uh, for mm. Citizen Dick for Matt Dillon's band. Yeah, and um, you have Citizen two. It, it's it's really it's anchored by two great songs that are sort of the themes of the movie written by Paul Weller, who used to be the replacements, uh, waiting for somebody and dyslexic heart, and they're two just great. They're just perfect power pop songs. Listened to it so much when it came out, and I still listen to it today. It's a fantastic, fantastic soundtrack. Fantastic. Danny, what's your number three? Oh, yeah. You mentioned this one already, Fredo. Uh, the Muppet movie. Yeah. I was yeah. so happy that you so mentioned good. it. Oh my God. This was the this was the album that as a child I listened to more than any other album. 
A close second was Urban Chipmunk. Yes, yes, yes. yes. This was number, but this was number one. Oh my God. Just always was on the record player. And I, I, this, and I, I am pretty sure, and I feel like I've said this on another episode that the Muppet movie was the first movie I saw in the movie theater. Yeah. You did mention um, and that, I believe. It was so special to me. And I loved the Muppets. I loved Sesame Street. And I just loved everything that this movie did because it was the Muppets in another, in another sort of, um, it, it was a very different tone from the Muppet show. Very mm-hmm. different. Yeah. It was them in a totally, totally new environment and they could be touching and subtle yes. and they could move their they moved in a little bit different way than they did on the Muppet show because they were kind of bouncing around. But then the music just evoked all of those feelings again. I didn't know what, you know, I hope that something better comes along was really about, but I mm-hmm. knew it was funny. I knew it was a yeah. funny song. And I love I'm not the biggest fan of the great Gonzo. I think he's kind of an annoying character. But yeah, I'm going to go back there someday. Oh my God. He's, Gore, it's a gorgeous. It's like this it's gorgeous, gorgeous Harry, so weird like Harry Nilsson feel to it. It's so yes. funny that you mentioned that one because when we rewatched it a couple of years ago, I forgot about that song. You and totally forget about it. They're sitting around the a, campfire. It's like a Tom Waits song beautiful. almost, even the way he sings it. You know, it's, it's really yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, it's and really that's gorgeous. Uh, um, you know, and you mentioned, can you picture that? Which was which oh, is hilarious. The, the the final song, the end song, the magic store is bizarre. That's a weird song. And mm. I remember feeling like at the end of the album, I was always like, this is weird. Me you know? too. Like as a little kid. Yes. And going, I don't know if I like this. And that build up, I was like, this is a, this is kind of scary like, in a little way for yeah. a little, you know, yes. it's, like a little, uh, it's a little, it's a little yeah. uh, cabaret or three penny opera. Totally. It's, a little, it's, a little, like, it's know, like, some it's dread in it. ish Yeah. Paul Williams is a genius. I know I ragged on him a little bit when we did follow that bird because oh. I don't know that that's a high point there. But no, but you know, not this, compared to this. But my gosh, he's good. Yeah. And this is this is a wonderful soundtrack. I brought, I remember bringing Dude. it into music class. I remember that our music teacher because you know you'd leave your regular classroom in grade yeah. school and have music class mm-hmm. with a different teacher for forty minutes or whatever in the middle of the day, and she was like, "Everyone, bring in an album tomorrow. This was the album I brought in." I mm. yes, you can just visit but i plan to stay i'm going to go back there someday oh my god it's so good yeah. we're probably going to talk about the movie next i think it's on the list for next summer because it Yay. came out the same week as alien <gasps> Can you believe it? So what a what a oh my god! Can't wait. They're what a really dichotomy. the same movie. A, if yeah. you look closely at Gonzo, they're really the same character. And, and you know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm friends with Austin Pendleton. And I t- did I tell you the one night I was having drinks with him, we were talking, and I was like, I just have to tell you, maybe you're gonna like. I, you know, I loved you in the Muppet movie. I, told, I was talking to him about it. I was like, Aww. when I was a kid, and he was like, "I love that movie." Like he went, I, like Aww. he wasn't insulted by it. He wasn't like, "I've wonderful. done better things." He was like, "Oh, it's beautiful in it." It was wonderful. <laughs> he really is. He's so good with Doc <laughs> Hopper. Oh my god, Muppet movie's great, great, great. That's an excellent choice. What you got, um, Jason? 
My number three, my number three. And so I'm going to do three and then I'm going to go two as the mm. pendulum swings. And, uh, and, and in those two slots, I'm going to cover four. Oh God. Soundtracks. <laughs> but I told you, I didn't give honorable mentions, but, um, Good. uh, this is my auteur slot number three. And oh. it is, uh, Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums, mm, uh, Wes Anderson's, uh, soundtracks he's a total rock star he uh like another director i will mention a little later is so so meticulous about the music he uses in his films everything supports the feeling the experience um on on uh rushmore you've got uh oyoko we've talked about it when we reviewed rushmore i love the use of oyoko in that during the uh, bill murray and jason schwartzman's kind of training sequence um kind of getting themselves into shape to pursue romance um and uh and their grand designs uh ooh la la at the end of the movie is amazing oh, that's great nothing, yeah. nothing in the world can stop me worrying about that girl mm. uh the kinks. kinks when when bill murray's by the pool uh, despondent it's just all the music is so great in that in royal tenenbaums there's a million great needle drops in that ruby tuesday uh hey jude me and julio down by the schoolyard when yeah. gene hackman's teaching his oh, yeah. grandchildren <laughs> like <laughs> bet on like you know I, I don't know if it was a cockfight or whatever it was. i mean it's like it's like gambling in the streets and uh, hitching rides on garbage trucks it's just so great it's just it just the feel of i just think of the music immediately when i think of these movies and and both movies use music from Vince Guaraldi's A Charlie Brown Christmas, which in my opinion is uh, enough of a reason to justify the tie. <laughs> it, it unifies sure. the two albums and the two soundtracks. Using A Charlie Brown Christmas in both your uh, your your biggest hits, arguably, is, yeah. um, uh, is enough reason for me to like unify them into one slot. So he I uses just, yeah. music perfectly in he his movies. He uses it perfectly in his movies. It just supports the mood. So that's yes. a, and, and in fact, I'd say the kind of the, the his finest moments in both those films are are the Charlie Brown bits because they are so mm. perfectly underscoring those two kind of bittersweet moments in in the in Tenenbaums. It's uh, it's Hackman trying to connect with Gwyneth Paltrow in an ice cream parlor, trying to like recapture the yeah. you know what he didn't have with her as a little girl. Um, uh, with his daughter as a little girl and then in in Rushmore it's it's a Hark the Herald Angels sing on the soundtrack at the end when Bill Murray is kind of at his lowest ebb and he goes to the barber shop and Schwartzman tells him the truth about his father Seymour Cassell and 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 gives him the haircut and cleans him up and gives him a little Christmas present and it's just so so beautiful and you would think you might not make that choice because a, a Charlie Brown, Brown Christmas is in and of itself, a soundtrack to something else. So it mm. feels like it feels like a bridge too far in a fu funny way. It's like, oh, you're yeah, playing a, borrowing a from another song from another soundtrack, but it's it is an, a, a famous Christmas. That song actually but, isn't on the original soundtrack. It's not included on the original soundtrack. You son of a bitch. Uh, anyway, love those. Uh, my number two, another tie. This one I call the. This is the God only knows slot because hmm. uh, my tie is Boogie Nights and Love Actually. Uh, I oh, never had right. a particular affinity for that Beach Boys song, but it yeah. grew in my estimation after it was used to such powerful effect in two of my favorite films. Boogie Nights is really a top 10 favorite film. Love Actually is not that high up on my rank, but it is really beloved. I love that movie. It's uh, I don't know if I 
and it wasn't my favorite Christmas movie when I, I get, no, it's a wonderful life was, but I think this was number exactly. two. So it's a, it's a movie I love. The soundtracks are both great, but the final moments of both of those films, the culmination yeah. of both films is God only knows is on the soundtrack. And, uh, and it's a perfect, perfect song. It's one of the greatest songs ever. About, it's Paul McCartney's favorite it's song. A, it's a fantastic song. It, it, and it's, wow. It, it's not just about love, it's about need, right? It's about need. God only knows what I would do without you. And it's a perfect way to describe what Burt Reynolds' chosen family of porn stars and misfits must be feeling for each other as they try to approach something approaching normalcy in their day-to-day life. And it's also the perfect description of what the characters and even the extras are feeling in love actually as they leap into the arms of loved ones arriving at Heathrow Airport um, and it's all the more poignant at the end of the film in relation to what Hugh Grant says at the very beginning as you watch people connecting at Heathrow and he talks about 9-11 and how the calls from the planes were all about love, love, love. It's really it's very powerful and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Both albums are great or both soundtracks to the films are great you know you got these big musical stings like Best of My Love at the very beginning when the neon sign comes yeah. up in Boogie Nights, it's like perfect. Yes. Um, you got Jump, Pointer Sisters Jump is perfect in Love Actually when Hugh Grant kind of takes on Billy Bob Thornton and uh, is feeling his uh, feeling himself at 10 Downing Street yes. uh, as prime minister. It's great. Uh, and then there's the fact that both films soundtracks feature characters in recording studios laying down cringeworthy tracks from you've got the touch <laughs> oh my which god is from the transformers cartoon oh uh, which is in boogie god, nights uh, to christmas is all around by uh bill oh. nye's billy mack you got the touch you got the power But yeah, I just love that you've got the touches from, from, from the fucking Transformers, the movie. Anyway, they're both perfect compilations. So that's my number three and my number two, which is actually four movies. <laughs> four soundtracks. Uh, Danny, what is your number two? Well, you I'm guys you, I was going to cheat, cheat, cheat. No, you guys are reminding me of so many great soundtracks that I didn't, you know, especially Spinal Tap and Boogie Nights. And now I'm like, oh, I should re redo my list utterly from the bottom up. Um, but, uh, oh, and another one from Boogie Nights is um, Sister Christian, which is just a great <gasps> yeah. song yes. by itself. And the use of it in that movie is amazing. Um, so my number two Something. is Goodfellas. Um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I guess, you know, sort of by proxy, my, uh, without really knowing it, all of these were soundtracks that I owned at some point in my sure, life. Yeah. I didn't own that many, but but this was one that I bought because I absolutely loved the movie. It's my second favorite movie of all time behind Psycho. And I would listen to the soundtrack over and over again. But you're absolutely right, Fred. There's so many songs in the movie that aren't that didn't make it to the album either because of rights or length or whatever Just too many, reason. Yeah. But there's well, that doesn't take so away many. from the, the soundtrack at all. It's still an amazing no, soundtrack. No, it's it, whether you want to call the soundtrack what's in the movie or what's on this album. Yeah. It's still great. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, Rags to Riches and Stardust and and uh, it, every song, when you listen to this movie, every song evokes immediately the scene in which it is used yeah. in the movie. Speedo. Speedo's my favorite. Yeah. Kid. yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Baby, I love you. And then what's great about listening to this soundtrack straight through, if you don't shuffle it, is that 
you, you the music changes when the movie changes. Yes. When mm-hmm. Joe Pesci dies and we you launch into the into the a few years ahead in the movie and he's running around doing cocaine and he's paranoid, you get Sunshine of Your Love, Manish Boy. And Layla. And yeah. it's and it's like, you know, the, the tone of the album changes in the way the tone of the movie changes. And that mm-hmm. is that is so cool. And I, I love um, Manish Boy. I had never heard that song before the movie, before it was used oh, really? in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you immediately think of when he's looking for looking at the looking for the, the helicopter. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. a great, great yeah. soundtrack. I love it. So good. Fredo, what's your number two? My number two, my number two and my number one, I was just thinking, should I flip them? But I'll just keep it the way it is. My number two comes straight from <laughs> K-Billy Super Sounds of the 70s. It's the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack. Yes. Uh, I know the, the popular soundtrack, and with the movies too, Pulp Fiction was the big one. And that's, you know, most people have Pulp Fiction. Most people say that's one of the best soundtracks. Most people say that's the better movie. As we mentioned on the crime episode, I will always go to Reservoir Dogs. That's my favorite Tarantino. I wore this album out. We got it in college. I still listen to it all the time. And I love it. One of the things, you mentioned this earlier, but there's a completeness about it because you have very much like Do the Right Thing, which is also another great soundtrack. Actually, no, Do the Right Thing doesn't have, I don't think it's got Samuel Jackson's character on there. But this one, oh, doing the radio, all the yeah. songs you have, all the radio stings from the great Stephen yeah. Wright. So, right. and this, <laughs> you know, so you have the K Billy Super Sounds of the '70s, introducing <laughs> "Going Right Into Little Green Bag" by the George Baker Selection. You know, hooked mm-hmm. on a feeling before Guardians of the Galaxy. You had that on here. Um, I Gotcha mm-hmm. by Joe Tex. It's great. It was the first soundtrack and really the first album where I felt cool listening to it because it was all this new stuff you know it was new songs it was all this and weird things you know he had coconut by harry nilsson and uh yeah. you know stuck in the middle i sort of knew from steeler's wheel but like again you you know when you listen to that song you go right to that scene but you there's can't just, hear that song without going to the ear yeah. scene yeah. and you can't hear <sighs> little green bag without wanting to walk in slow motion you know, it was the first time right. where, if, if, so for me, where a director took music that was a little off the beaten path, but was like, I, I know this is strange, but come with me. Just come with me because Absolutely. you're going to feel a certain way. And it's just, again, more than Pulp Fiction, more than his other films, which are all great soundtracks. Reservoir mm-hmm. Dogs is just, to me, it's the coolest. Is it your number again? one? For, no, it's number it's Oh, my number dog. one. Oh, yay. You, you mentioned it. It's Rushmore. I, it's, it's my favorite. I think I said it on the Rushmore soundtrack. I knew it was going to be on there when you were like, uh, that when you're like, it's not actually, How the Hell Angel Sing is not on the side. I was like, if he knows that suddenly, that quickly, then it's on this Well, list. only because it's probably, it's my number one because it's the one I listen to the most. I listen to it all yeah. the time. It's one of those things so where good. like, if I'm at the theater in between shows and I want to take a nap sometimes, I'll put it on. And yeah. again, it's, yeah. it's the... The structure of it, because I love the original Mark Mothersbaugh stuff as well. It's the lead singer mm-hmm. of Devo. It does all. It's so quirky and evocative, like this harpsichord. It's just really interesting music. And to go from that right into Making Time by Creation, it's, you know, all this like jangly British rock music. Uh, yeah, all the British invasion Yeah, the British invasion stuff. Just it is interesting because it is a score that ha- it's a score. It, it is. It's a score and a soundtrack because it does have 
the quote-unquote orchestral or instrumental music is all there in tandem with yeah. all the needle drop stuff, That's which the thing. is rare for a soundtrack album. It all right? sort of just blends together, and the end, you get all those nice surprises, you know, with the I Love Here Comes My Baby. That's one of my favorite songs of them by, by Cat Stevens. That was for some yeah. reason Kate and I were like, oh, this is going to be one of our songs. And we're like, well, I don't know if we listen to the lyrics. Maybe not, you know, I don't think. <laughs> but there, there's just like a bounce to it. We just right. love the song. Um, yeah. There's a quirkiness to it. And again, some I've heard many, many people say that, you know, just like Pulp Fiction is the superior one to Reservoir Dogs, that maybe Royal Tenenbaums is superior to Rushmore. But this is, again, this is why Rushmore will always be my favorite Wes Anderson movie. It was my first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. loved I was excited when I knew after I saw the movie and I knew there was a soundtrack, I was like, oh, I I want to get that. I want to get that. Yeah, yeah. And I have not stopped listening to it. And it's my, the the one I still listen to, to this day. It's, it's, it's perfect and lovely. Yeah. Danny. Danny. (gasps) Danny. Oh, did I predict something? No. (laughs) No, that's it. Um, My number one is, is a, a soundtrack that I had both on vinyl and tape because I listened to it that much over and over again and wore them out. And I love this movie. My my friend uh, Wally um, introduced me to this movie because I had never seen it before and wasn't really that into these particular characters before, uh, before seeing the movie. And then I can't wait till we get to this movie. I hope we get to it. Uh-huh. The Blues Brothers. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. It's a smart. What a good, good so choice. Good. Oh, my God. I love And, you know... Uh, that's the great thing about this is it's the characters singing it, but mm-hmm. then you also have great, you know, legit. Not that John Belushi and, and Dan Aykroyd aren't legitimate musicians and singers; they right, are. Of course. But that, but you also get Aretha Franklin, you get James Brown, you get oh, Cab yeah. Calloway, you get um, uh, Ray Charles, who was one of my dad's favorites. You know, Shake a Tail Feather. You get you get all, I, and I think the version. Uh, of Aretha Franklin doing Think on this is the best version. Of I it. agree. A lot of times mm. when you when you hear that on the radio, it's not the one from the Blues Brothers. It's her. It's from her own album. Yeah. This is superior. I think. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman. You better think. It, it is uh, so, so, so good. And all kinds of all kinds of different kinds of music on there, because the James Brown um, mm-hmm. number, the old landmark is a full on gospel number. Oh, so, you know, so you get all kinds of different stuff on there. I love this movie and I love this album. And I yeah, I kind of wore I kind of memorized this album like it was so in my DNA as a middle school student, you know, um, uh, right around this time is when I would have been listening to this album over and over again, middle school and early high school. I just love it. And I love this movie. And I think it's hysterical and innovative. And I love, you know, all of the all of the choices uh, in here. My number one is a uh, is kind of a, a, a weird one. It's not one of the classic ones you'd expect. But Fred, you actually mentioned no, it. I'm just kidding. Uh, 
no, it's the soundtrack to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Me too. Specifically, uh, Volume Two. I'm the same. I, I I prefer it. I I actually and now I know I'm in the minority here. I prefer the movie to the original as well. Right. And, but I think part of the reason I prefer it is because I, it, I think it was my honorable mention on the superhero movies list. Yes. Part of the reason I prefer it to the original is the soundtrack. I can't think of a movie. Of all the movies that I love with great soundtracks, I can't think of a movie that I might love as much because of the soundtrack. Like the the soundtrack just brings the whole thing to vibrant yeah. life. James Gunn, is, he's just so great. He takes such ridiculous care when he chooses music, like Anderson, like a lot of uh, mm. directors. And I, I, like I said, I find the soundtrack and the film maybe more successful than the predecessor. Uh, but everything is perfectly chosen, even if it doesn't have seem to have a direct correlation thematically or in terms of the storytelling and the lyrics. Sometimes it's just the the tone or the quality or the feel of the music that just feels right for the sequence. Like Glenn Campbell's summer nights when, when yes. Southern nights rather, sorry, when, when rockets running around, like, you know, kind of taking out all of Yondu's goons. It's like, it's just, it's so good. It's just such a strange needle drop, but it's perfect. It's like the perfect yep. song in that moment. Uh, Lakeshore drive uh, oh, it is amazing as the ship's taking off the, the chain is the most, some of them are just gut, gut punches. Yeah, it's like, like a mo there's Fleetwood an emotion Max. connection. Yeah. The emotional oh, connection yeah. when uh, Peter Quill and his father facing off and, yeah. and, and the chain is playing and the, and the chain gets played twice in the movie. Yeah. And it's uh, uh, at, at a moment where there seems to be a rift among the group mm -hmm. as they break off into separate camps. Uh, and then again, when he's, he's fighting his father about to kill his father. Um, I think my, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it feels intuitive. The music feels intuitive. It just, it feels right. Even if you would never logically like look at the script or look at the scene and say, ah, this is the right song for A, B and C reason. He just finds these things that just, mm -hmm. it's just you, as soon as it happens, you're like, yep, that's right. It just feels yeah. right. Um, uh, my sweet Lord, George Harrison, when they come to ego's planet and like, you know, just in pure and total wonder. It's really, it's great. And I think, um, but my two favorites are, uh, come a little bit closer mm -hmm. when, uh, that amazing kind of sequence when Yondu gets his groove back and gets his deadly arrow back or whatever you'd call that thing. I mean, it's his arrow, right? Yeah. What is it? I mean, it's it's, and he takes out everyone. It's yeah. just so good. And then, and then Cat Stevens' father oh, and son at the very end of the movie. <laughs> it's devastating. Star Lord and baby Groot are bonding. And then the, the last shot of the movie is the last note of the song and it's Rocket Raccoon crying, looking up at the funeral and the stars for Yonder. It's, I'm like, I cry, I'm like ready to cry thinking about it. It's not time to make a change. Just relax, take it easy. You're still young, that's your fault. 
There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me I am old, but I'm happy That's probably the most played soundtrack in our household. Like, that's the one that we all love as a family. And when we when we go to play a guard, like now we can go, you can go to Spotify and be like Guardians of the Galaxy playlist and you get all of them. Right, right, right. But yes, it's always volume two. And because you also, you start with ELO and what you can't get. I mean, you start with Mr. Blue Sky. I mean, what's better? Mr. Blue Sky, like like Eternal Sunshine. I remember like, I I, um, connect uh, in my mind, Mr. Blue Sky so intrinsically with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind because it's used so well there. And it's uh, the, I think it's the first track on that soundtrack as well. So it always, I remember when the movie started and then when I got the album too, I was like, oh, this, there was a little hitch for me because I was like, it's starting with the same song as another soundtrack I love. But, Mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe I'm incorrect about that. Maybe it doesn't start with Mr. Blue Sky, but uh, Eternal Sunshine, this one does. Yeah, definitely. Uh, But no, but it's great. And it's perfect in that fight sequence. And it tells you what you're in for. It's like, guess what? We don't do anything in this movie without a soundtrack accompanying us. It's so blatant, (laughs) but it's so great. It's really so fun. So yeah, that's my, that's my number one. Cause it is, it's the one I listen to the most. Um, That was great. Those are good lists. And we didn't have a lot of overlap, not a ton. That's so funny. I thought we were going to have much more overlap, but there's really not that much. Fred and I I had Rushmore. And I think if I were to redo mine. Yeah, yeah. If I were to redo mine, I'd put Spinal Tap on there. I completely forgot about it. It might replace. Yeah, I thought about that. I was like, do I go Spinal Tap or Mighty Wind? And then I was like, (laughs) Kiss at the End of the Rainbow just pulled me. My sentimentality (laughs) pulled me over there. Um, But I'm glad you mentioned that one, Fredo. That's so good. Spinal Tap. My God. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Opening Weekend and for bearing with our somewhat leisurely summer release schedule. like Yondu, we'll be getting our groove back this fall, <laughs> starting with our next episode in which we will be traveling back to September of 1976 and the release of Bugsy Malone, the high concept Alan Parker film featuring children as ruthless prohibition era gangsters and starring Scott Bayo and Jodie Foster, oh who I God. think are really politically aligned these days. And <laughs> The Front starring the monstrous Woody Allen and the monstrously talented Zero Mostel. Um, I know nothing about that movie, but I know it came out the same day as Bugsy Malone, and uh, I'm intrigued. So that is next time on Opening Weekend. Dan, what you got for us, friend? I think we have, well, you can picture one of two things while I do this great uh, song from the end of Dirty Dancing. You can picture the, him lifting her up and and they're dancing and the... And the, the uh, um, you know, Kellerman's is, is going crazy and everybody's joining in in the final <laughs> big musical number. Or you can picture either Fred or I in one of the many locker rooms in which we had the time of our life seeing swarthy, swarthy naked men with various things hanging off of them. So it's a little I've had the time of my life. I've uh, uh, and it's Bill Medley and Jennifer Warms, right? That's yes. correct. Two of them, yes. Right. OK, OK. Get a little. Let me warm up. Okay.
Skills. Those are some shat skills. <laughs> now, now do it in the style of the pachanga. <laughs> do the mambo. Do the pachanga. Do you guys remember Z, Z100 had oh, sure. a parody called She Passes Wind? Do you guys recall oh, this? God. Yes, of course, of course yeah. I do. It was hilarious. Because that's yeah. what we listened Scott to. Shannon. Just yeah. to tie yeah. things <laughs> in now, have, have you seen, and I showed this to Kate and, and Izzy last night, have you seen the rematch of them doing that final dance to the Muppet Show theme song? <gasps> no, oh, do yourself no. a favor. Do yourself a favor oh, when yes. we get off and look that up. Just type in Dirty Dancing the Muppets. I'm Absolutely. Do that right now. Well, you could see some very awkward <laughs> Gonzo and Henrietta Not action. Not squirty prancing <laughs> the Muppets. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I saw that in the hotel oh, with Dan. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.